0: Hello and welcome to Exiting Through the 2010s, a podcast where we reflect and dissect the movies of the past 10 years. I'm host Jack Drooper, and with me is my co-host, Clay Williams.
1: And I'm Brad hey, Avery, I'm Mac- and I'm from Framingham, Massachusetts, and this is my fucking spot, and I
2: ain't fucking leaving.
0: Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. God. I love the energy.
2: Two Massachusetts boys and one Virginia yeah. boy. Oh no. Okay. okay,
0: so we're just gonna like surround you, and we're just gonna, you know, like eclipse the...
2: I, I do feel outnumbered here. I'm
1: not going to yeah. lie. You feel, uh, you're going to be outnumbered, I, I'm sorry <laughs> to say. But yeah, we're going to be like running yeah. circles around you with the yeah. local energy for this one. Yeah. Because this is the podcast I've been training my whole life. Brad and I have our donkeys. Um, All we got, right. you know. All right. <laughs> got our ready. donkeys.
0: Voted for Bernie.
1: Oh boy.
0: <laughs> Good Irish Catholic voice. Yeah,
2: yeah. I'm prepared. Well, I uh, not I'm really not Irish, Irish Catholic, Catholic at all.
1: <laughs> <laughs> not at all. I'm, I'm the slightest.
0: One of my, one of my best I'm, friends I'm, is actually... I'm
1: part, part Anglo-Saxon, which is where the name comes from, and then Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> so I am... Austin awesome Jew, total... that's not... Oh, yeah. my
0: God. One of my best friends Jesus. is an atheist, so I understand, I understand completely that it's not just all Irish Catholics <laughs> that... <laughs> Yeah, it's not. It's
2: not say. My yeah. best, one of my best friends is an atheist.
1: <laughs> well, I, oh, we're already off to a great. We gotta, lift our, we
0: gotta lift our spirits. We gotta, you know, it. bring out the unexpected. Uh, oh,
2: that's so
1: funny! I'm just like I said, so. I'm Jewish, and you're like, "Well, one of my best friends is an atheist." <laughs> that's so
2: funny. Are you Jewish on your mom's side or your dad's side?
1: Yes, on my on my mom's side. Okay. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so then my dad's side is where the name Bradford Avery comes from, which is like the most sense. English name you could, and like <laughs> possibly. Ask I was,
0: where. I I used to live in Bradford, Massachusetts.
1: Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. That my my when I was a kid, anytime we would go on like a trip, and uh, my parents would always be like, there'd be a sign on the highway for Bradford, and be like, like oh, that's that's your town. <laughs> yeah, go Bradford. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I'm already outnumbered. Yeah, I feel yeah. it. I feel it. Now. Yeah, yeah. You, you should have.
1: You should have been born in Boston. I know. I've been, been to Boston
2: <laughs> once. And that I gotta was say, I have. Okay.
1: I have been crunching Boston movies this week, and I am yeah. so self-conscious now about like what kind of accent I have um, yeah, and absolutely. how I say certain words. It's like it's really made me like think consciously about how I'm saying things. Okay, so, so everybody,
0: welcome to Boston Talk. This is Boston oh Podcast. This, this, has... bo-
1: this is this <laughs> is gonna be Wicked Pissa, kid. You you better bet it.
0: <laughs> Big pop comment on. <laughs> I'm gonna
3: end oh this gosh. call.
1: I'm done. Okay, I'm just so... like every every one of your listeners is just like turned this off already because they're just like I'm
0: not listening <laughs> to this shit. I know, honestly. Yeah um, This is this is gonna have like two listeners I pick...
1: love it. I picked the, like, absolute worst possible movie. No, like, it's I honestly, I deliberately chose a movie I hate. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I was I was re-watching it today, and it made me so angry. I was telling
2: this to Jack before we recorded it. I'm in a horrible mood right now because of this movie.
1: I know I was watching it earlier and I'm just like, I had to break it up into two sittings because it just pissed me off so much. This is like city hall, but
0: not like city hall's length. Right. It's it's right. (laughs) But I I think that we're all, I think thankfully we're all coming at this with the same energy, with the same thoughts, with the same. um, Up front.
1: I'd like to dedicate this Uh, episode. Up front. I would like to dedicate this episode to the memory of Tommy Saunders, the true, <laughs> um, true blue-blooded American patriot,
0: <laughs> American hero. Okay, you but so much. I know because... it sucks. It sucks. I think real fast before we get into all everything. Uh, we would love to know when you first fell in love with movies. Um. And when okay, your passion so I... first started.
1: I was thinking about this question and. One one thing I go back to is when I was in middle school, and I, I don't know quite know why, but I just got very interested in the concept of censorship. Um, it just it, you know like banned books, and you know there was also, if you remember, the time I was I was in middle school, very much in the post nine uh, eleven Bush years climate. And there was like a, a list of songs that Clear Channel said you shouldn't play on the radio after, in the immediate days after 9-11. And it was stuff like I'm Leaving on a Jet Plane or 99 Red Balloons or, you know, every song by Rage Against the Machine. And the idea was, <laughs> you know, and it, you know uh, do you know, guys know about that list?
2: No, I'm not familiar.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's very much the the nine post nine eleven climate, but it, you know I I thought I'll, I was very interested in the idea of why people wanted to censor ideas or, or keep you know ban things and uh, and so I, I got into that and then through transitive property that led me to copyright and the public domain and it was from I think the public domain that I really sort of you know I found sort of list of, of movies that were you know the idea that no one owns this, that this, in, in a sense, these are everyone's movies in a way. Like these are, you know, open for public use. And, you know, that itself kind of connected with me in a way. And I became very fascinated with the films that were on that list of, of you know, and so that's, you know, intertwined this with uh, the, this is the early days of internet video. So YouTube, if you remember at the time, only had a 10 minute limit on videos that could be posted. But there was a competitor; it was Google yeah. Video it's before Google, yeah. Google yeah. bought YouTube, and you they let you put anything on there, you know, whatever the length. And so that's how I first saw Night of the Living Dead. That's how I saw no. Nosferatu. There was a lot of uh, mystery science theater, which is not public domain, but they allowed you know that stuff to kind of go without copyright. Uh, you know, claims. Well, who's going to so strike saw...
2: it? It's yeah, like, no one's. Gonna be no... like, wait, 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 wait a minute, that's my movie.
1: <laughs> right, right, right. And so I saw a lot of movies early that way, and you know, even kind of going back earlier, I was always kind of interested. You know, I I didn't have the strictest parents, but it still wasn't like I couldn't see like horror movies or whatever. But I was very interested early, like growing up on the internet. I remember there was this website, Drew Scriptorama, that uh, posted, <laughs> uh, mov- like, screenplays from Hollywood movies. And I remember reading, like, the screenplays of horror movies that I wasn't allowed to watch. Oh, that's and, uh, the This is also the brav- in middle school? This, actually, that might have been elementary school for, like, fifth grade, maybe. Like, I remember wow. reading, like, the screenplays for, like, the Nightmare were on Elm Street movies. reading screenplays
0: in fifth grade? That's fantastic.
1: I was on the internet. I was like, there was a website called board.com and it just kind of linked you to stuff like that was like interesting. That was one of the websites. It was Drew Scriptorama. So I clicked around Mm -hmm. and I was like very interested in kind of like, I kind of just stumbled on like reading the screenplays. And so like, I was like, you know, I wanted to know what happens in a nightmare on Elm Street, but I couldn't watch the movie. So I read the screenplay and I, you know, I absorbed the movie that way. I remember very much an early influence was um, this probably would have been more middle school was uh, the Bravo 100 Scariest Movie Moments special. Do you guys ever see that? Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I I remember that was sort of a variation on like 100 years for 100 laughs, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I remember like experiencing and like learning about all these horror movies that I couldn't watch at the time like Deliverance was on that list. like, Like I remember kind of like learning about these movies that way as a kid. And so, you know, you couple that with the, with the access to the internet and sort of, as I was saying, that public domain thing that kind of gave before I was, you know, willing to kind of branch out or even really knew how to access old movies or certain types of movies. Cause my, my, you know, my parents, you know, didn't really expose me to a lot of old movies. Like we would watch movies together, but we'd go to like Blockbuster and we'd get whatever you know was the latest release. You know, like I don't know, Batman and Robin, or you know, the Fat Albert movie they made with Keena Thompson, or whatever. Like I remember watching those types of movies with my parents because we'd rent them, but they weren't big on like making sure that I saw Casablanca or whatever. Like so, I was very much kind of on my own in discovering film. And then you know to wrap this up, the 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 big movie when I was in high school that really sort of introduced me to the concept of cinephilia and like wanting to discover film was Pulp Fiction. And that was like kind of, you know, yeah, the gateway of, you know, wow, I didn't know anything could be this cool. And reading about like Tarantino and how his approach to film. And I think the thing that I internalized from that was cinephilia and watching movies And wanting to know about movies is about curiosity. Like that was kind of the thing I internalized is you, you want to watch everything because you are curious about it and you care about it. And it's cool to see things you've never seen before. It's cool to see things that, you know, other people haven't seen. It's cool to see things that, you know, are considered classics. And so I really kind of internalized that idea of like, I should just watch everything. Mm-hmm. And, I've, you know, I've ebbed and flowed over the years, you know, some, some, I go through periods where I watch a ton of things I go through periods where I don't watch much of anything. But that's always been my philosophy about film is like, you got to be curious. And I that's just the thing that's always killed me when I see people who say they love movies, but just don't seem like they're curious about the medium. They're not curious about classic films, they're not curious about undiscovered films, they're not curious about foreign films. Like, I think it's like, you got to love it all. Is kind of what my approach to it all
0: so that that's yeah. that's my story in a nutshell absolutely i think selectiveness well it feels good to just be like very narrow about what you view it, it hurts you ultimately it doesn't lend your it's- broad exposure
1: it's like I see so many people who, like, had the same type of thing where, like, Pulp Fiction or Tarantino was their, like, gateway drug, but then they kind of never really graduated past the uh, the IMDb Top 250, which is yeah. a good starting yeah. list. Don't get me wrong. Like, I definitely worked up that list, list early on. Yeah. yeah, but then I think there's people who kind of get stuck there. There's a lot of people who just don't, you know, it's Christopher Nolan and, you know, and that's it. And, like, right. they get right. really trapped in that, that area and they don't really seem to want to move past it and that's not knocking christopher nolan either it's just you know that there's you know you gotta you gotta want to see it all
0: it's funny that you bring up tarantino because when you see someone especially at the age that you first saw him he can give you this adrenaline rush but then what you do with that rush really does branch off into what you had and the people that just never leave his style. Yeah, and it's I think that
2: you either it's, go it's, looking it's, for his. Not to be too binary,
0: but yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. And you I think on this episode go, we'll talk. Yeah. Sorry,
2: Clay. Oh well, I mean, also I just want to say real quick, like the funny thing about like that whole like IMDb top two fifty thing is like. I, I think, I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but if I didn't meet Jack, there's a good chance I'd still be at that place. <laughs> like me, like it's no, it's true. Like, like when I mean, when like me and Jack got to know each other more, he was one of the big instigators of me exploring past that IMDb 250. Cause I was the same way. I got into films, really into films through Tarantino and through like Nolan and that kind of stuff. A lot of the, you know, like the, you know, middle-aged white populace yeah. auteurs yeah. Um. and then I started, then, like, through, like, Jack talking about, you know, independent cinema and foreign cinema, that's when I, like, I was put onto this whole different airspace and got more curious, like you said.
1: I mean, it's, it, it's like, I absolutely, I was in high school when, like, Inglorious Bastards came out,
2: for example,
1: um, and, like, I remember the experience of watching that in the theater and not knowing how that movie ends, like, watching it for the first time on, like, you know, the first week it was in release, but that you know that sort of led me to like i then wanted to go watch the movies that inspired tarantino like the movies that he constantly talks about and evangelizes mm-hmm. you know like i don't know you know like all the black exploitation features like shaft and all that that he was inspired by all the uh you know italian movies that he was inspired by like all those exploitation films like i kind of went back and watched those which i think a lot of people don't do but like you know Say for example, like the original Inglorious Bastards or or you know stuff like that. Exactly. So I I think that's kind of how I approached it was I was like, well, wait, wait, wait I want to see all these other things. And I, I just mm-hmm. think a lot of people really get hung up and I and you know, and it, it's like it's I think what it is is there's nothing wrong if you don't like movies or you're not like super into it. It's fine, it's a niche interest, but it's if you say you like movies and you're super into it, super passionate about it, but then you don't care about anything that was made before star Wars. It's kind of yeah.
0: like, absolutely. And star Wars is a very good division.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Old and new Hollywood to see that. And I remember um, once upon a time in Hollywood, it came out, he was doing a, uh, QT was doing a bunch of interviews and he cited <clears throat> uh, Bob and Carol, Ted and Alice.
1: Yeah, that movie's wild. I,
0: I saw that, and um, I, I thought that the cast looked phenomenal. And I sought it out, and, it, and, it's, and I remember t- talking to a friend, a mutual friend of ours, uh, Jamie Revenall, about it. And, he, and we're just like, "Yeah, this is like a comedy that doesn't know it's a comedy,
1: <laughs> right?" So it's, it's just so, everyone in that movie like, is like a, a piece crazy. of shit. They're yeah. the no, worst people. They're so people. mean to each
0: other. Yeah, they're, awesome.
1: they're so mean. They're so <laughs> immature it's like I okay, I um this is a little side story. I wrote a I wrote a like a brief little piece about it. Um a friend uh who's an editor at Vanya Land uh recruited me to do like a series of films from nineteen sixty nine to kinda like lead into the once upon a time in Hollywood release.
3: Oh nice. And
1: so I was like, Oh, I'll do Bob and Carol attend to Alice is one of the films that I did and I wrote a little piece about it and it was kinda one of the weaker ones that I turned in, but then I got an email like a year later, like last year. Um, from someone who wanted me to, like, asked if I would, like, they saw the piece and they asked if I would, like, speak about it and do, like, a kind of a Q&A type thing. And I was like, what is this? And I, I looked into it. And it was an online polyamory community that wanted me to speak to it. And I was just like, part of me really wanted to, like, do it for the experience. And part of me was just like, I don't think I'm the person to do
2: this. How did I yeah. even find it?
1: I don't know. I yeah. I was like like shocked so and like. About that. I know. I was. It was so funny. I I was just like. Part of me was like flattered, and part of me was just like. Uh, I, I don't think I'm qualified for
2: this. Did you <laughs> go them talk- or did you reply?
1: No, I replied, and it was just like you know, thank you very much. But I uh, thank you. you know, no I, I should have yeah. honestly. I probably should have done it. Would have been worth the story. It's not as good of a story saying that I.
2: <laughs> I, mean, I, I nothing that nothing
1: beats
0: your Werner Herzog story. I think we that bar was set. Oh, oh yeah when I
1: when <laughs> I called out Werner Herzog to his face. Yeah, that's that's a <laughs> story for another time.
0: Okay, but now we can get to the meat of things. Uh no, we can't. No,
2: no. I want, <laughs> let's go back to the... What, right, what, what happened go. with Werner Herzog? No, no.
0: Um, okay, no, we, I... We, I no, um, we all, we it's a long story. We heard the story.
1: I love Herzog. He's probably my favorite director. But I, I at a Q&A. I questioned him about, you know, going back on his statement about never making commercials. Um, and so um, it was an interesting experience. It's a story for another time.
0: <laughs> Just kept denying and denying. But yeah, um, this isn't TV 12. This isn't Bill Belichick. Uh, this is uh P- Berg, Mark Wahlberg, Patriots Day. It's Boston, um, baby. Oh, yeah. Well, you're from Framingham, Massachusetts.
1: I am from Framingham, Massachusetts. That was not just a quote. I am from Framingham, Massachusetts, and I ain't fucking leaving.
0: Oh my god. So, no, when I, was the first time up... you saw this? Did you see this in cinemas, or was it just No,
1: like... no, I waited. I, I put it off, and I watched it actually on a laptop <laughs> like in San one? Francisco. You, you weren't
0: there watched... at the premiere, or...
1: <laughs> I was on a work trip in San Francisco, and that's I finally was at, like, at, um, I was in A-F-I my F-I hotel Fest, room, and I, I decided I'll just watch this movie finally. Yeah. that's It's an unexciting nice. story.
0: It's an it's nice, unexciting. Yeah, I mean, but... I think ours is just as if not more exciting um yeah but i think you so
1: you you asked me if i wanted to be on the show and i said yes and i thought for a few minutes about what i wanted to pick and what would be interesting from the last decade that you hadn't already done and i don't know it didn't take me that long to land on patriots day um and i chose patriots day because i think this is an evil movie i legitimately think this movie is evil it is cruel it is egotistical. It is, it is the antithesis of what a movie about the Boston Marathon bombing should be. Because it is incredibly full of itself, wants to be an action movie, and is just putrid. It, 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 I honestly hate this film, but it's fascinating. Like, I, I don't think you can deny that it is a fascinating movie. And it's a propaganda piece. Too, which I think is, again, a reason that it is fascinating and a reason that I chose this movie is is to get into it. And I think we've decided that we're, we're going to take you guys through a journey of Boston cinema, the history of Boston cinema. We're going to go beyond the 2010s. But for now,
0: Patriots Day. Of course. Um, and I think that just watching this in a San Francisco hotel might be a little bit more exciting uh, than myself that – I Knew this was out, I knew this was a thing, I knew that this was a collaboration again, uh, the third time between Wahlberg and Berg. And this, the two Bergs, the two, of course, next the two popes. Um, <laughs> and this was this was Wall something, slash Berg. Well, <laughs> this was something that had a deal of importance to friends of my parents, and my parents, like, they all talked about they all went to see it because this is. This whole Boston Strong uh, idea and sense of community was so entangled in in the event, and I think that showing it in any capacity, um, exploitative or respectful, is enough to to draw someone of an audience um, in the the area in which it took place. Um but yeah and and just seeing this now is is quite fascinating um not just since it came out in twenty sixteen but also um seven years after the event, which I think we should acknowledge and kind of date ourselves, but is kind of the this week of of when it happened, yeah. Um,
1: we're recording specifically around Patriots
0: Day, so. Yeah. Which is, is
1: you know, if, if you're not in Massachusetts, and I think it's Ohio, um, it's not a nationally celebrated holiday. It's, it's a I very localized. I had no idea.
3: Yeah,
1: it's a very localized event. Um, it's a bank holiday, um, and it's it's always focused around the Boston Marathon. Is You know, not everyone, but most people get, get the day off work.
3: Yeah.
1: The marathon is always held on Patriots Day, which is a Monday in April. Yeah.
0: And Usually when I was in middle school, it would be on the spring my spring break. And I Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we can maybe we can do this now, but I I would typically go to uh support friends of my parents that would run it because um um my mom ran it one year. It wasn't it was like in the two thousands. And we didn't go this year, but it was because none of Friends of no friends of ours were running it, and it was just it was it was crazy that we were in Florida for a spring break, and, and this is the one time we didn't go. Um, and that's sort of that's I remember my, like as a kid, my thing, but yeah, we would, we
1: would go when I was a kid. I remember like we would be in Framingham and we would, um, you know, go downtown and we would find a like pushes for the runners, you would be like you would stand on the wait for like a runner to like grab it out of your hand so they could get, yeah, you know, get the juice. Um, and it was always like very exciting and, and fun when, when one of them you know grabbed it from you. And it was like I, it's like very fond memories as a kid of, of doing that okay. kind of every year. Um you know, it, it, it's it's just for, for context, you know, it's the I believe it's the oldest uh, marathon in the country in the United States. And it's certainly, you know, I think most people know it's the premier marathon in, you know, in the country uh, every spring. And this, you know, the event, the marathon bombing was a real like kind of, you know, it's a moment that was very unsettling. For obvious reasons, but it was, you know, one of those things that hits something a little sacred to to the area, you know, absolutely an event that is very beloved locally, in addition to attracting people from all around the world. So I think, you know, in addition to sort of this being an attack on our city, it was an attack on one of our, like, you know, major institutions, the Boston Marathon.
0: But I agree with what you're saying about the Boston Marathon as an institution and as a world event, you know, it includes charities. Everyone pushes themselves physically and mentally. Um, and to have that disrupted the way it was was certainly a culture shock as well as a societal one. Uh, Clay, how was, <clears throat> how was your first time seeing uh, Patriot's Day? Um, I'm kind of like uh, Brad in the scenario when like
2: I didn't, there was not, nothing really interesting about it. I think I just caught it like, I think i watched it in 2017 like i caught it on itunes or something um i was i think i saw Deepwater water horizon before this so and i actually like that movie i have not re-watched it since but like i i um remember just really digging it because of uh not necessarily because it was just this engaging drama just because it was mostly like you know an exciting disaster film that had some decent acting as well constructed um and i just I really engaged with that, and so I was interested in the Berg slash or the Berg Bergs, the two Bergs, <laughs> Wahlberg and Peter Berg. Um, and, and I believe you I seen, don't know if I uh, saw Lone Survivor. Survivor. Yeah,
0: I'm just gonna say. I
2: don't remember exactly. I might have. Um, but I no, I probably did because yeah, no, I did, I did because I, I, I think I meet, this was my third. Yeah, it was my third Berg, um, and so. <laughs> I was so going into it, I was just interested. You weren't
0: like a Hancock head, you, didn't, you know. You,
2: no, right? no, 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 no,
0: You weren't experiencing the high, yeah, in battleship. You I weren't experiencing the battleship. is great,
1: actually. Yeah. I will go to bat for battleship.
0: Well, I mean, did any of you um, experience the highs and lows of high school football in Friday Night Lights? I mean, come on, people.
1: No, it. Yeah, well, so, so getting back to Patriots Day, though, I think the thing that's interesting to me is if you look at, you know, reviews, if you look at letterbox reviews, if you look at Rotten Tomatoes, The film is actually really, or at least generally, well-received.
2: I liked it the first time I saw it. I was 17 years old, and I thought it was like, oh, really engaging, really respectful, great.
1: Well-made. Yeah, Yeah. except, you know, in Boston, at least everyone I know, like, it's reviled. And, you know, uh, the Boston Globe did not like it. Um, any Boston Ibert, critic that I know, know is just, you know, loathes it. Um, everyone I I know is like, you know, just hates this movie across the board. And it's it's very localized. And I, you know, I'm sure there's people from here that, you know, are much more uh, you know, hoorah, yeah, like this movie rules. But for the most part, I think anyone that is looking for something that is respectful to the victims of the marathon bombing, that is, you know, respectful to the city, even, uh, there's nothing here for you because what this is is Mark Wahlberg's ego trip, and it's it's a very fascinating ego trip because I think we've we've known for a long time that Mark Wahlberg is um, an odd fella. Uh, you know, we 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 don't need to relitigate him saying that sure. he would have prevented 9/11. If uh, we actually talked you know, I think about that's been on
2: a previous episode, yeah, we talked well about that on the Transformers: Age of Extinction episode.
1: Yeah. But, uh, I mean, Fascinating. Jack, I, Fascinating. I sent you a quote I found from, from CNN, uh, an yeah. interview he did where he said, this is Mark Wahlberg. It was extremely difficult, but I think they felt a sense of relief and comfort knowing that I was there because now they had a single person that they could hold accountable. Um, bear in mind, he interviewed a lot of survivors uh, of the marathon bombing uh, beforehand. And, you know, this is him talking about, you know, having spoken with them almost to kind of get their permission to make the movie. And I realized that, and I felt even more pressure. And that's why I told Pete Berg, I don't care, but we have to do it this way. Nobody is better for the job because nobody cares more than me. Right. And it's just, it's that last bit.
0: Nobody cares more than me. It's that ego trip. You're you're dead on. It's, he is a bizarre person. He's a narcissist. (laughs) Right. Right.
1: Yeah. And he, he's constantly, and through these Peter Berg collaborations, is constantly inserting himself into our national tragedies um, mm-hmm. in various ways. And this is obviously the most personal for him because he's yeah. from Dorchester. And so he's very, you know, he is local and he's always very kind of tried to stay true to his Boston roots and it, it's passionate for him. So I get that, but it's it's the ego trip of inventing this character of tommy sanders uh who is a uh fictional cop a fictional boston cop that uh, is somehow he's a, every, he's a composite but he's at every single event of the uh boston marathon bombing and the subsequent manhunt um you know he's there He's the one that peeps into the boat to see Johar sonaev uh, there. He's uh he's the one that's there at the at the finish line and you know, helping, you know, put turniquets on people. He's there and you know, it was it was a joke um, after this movie came out. You know, my I had a friend who wanted to uh, create a campaign to make a, a stat have Boston put up a statue of Tommy Saunders just so that uh, the city would be forced to say that he's not a real person. Honestly, That's very funny, and um, and I I think it's you know and I, I feel like we're being I'm being very critical of this movie without really discussing it or getting into it. And so, um, Patriots Day is a step-by-step retelling of the marathon bombing from the event itself to the subsequent manhunt, the chase through Watertown, um, and the, the eventual shootout that, um, you know, when Johar Zardaev was hiding in a boat, um, the terrorists are characters in this film and we see them and spend a little bit of time with them. The victims are characters in this film. Uh, and we spend some time with them and, the thing is is that this is a movie that is very interested in the action it's a movie that sees shootouts it's a movie that sees explosions and severed limbs and terrorism and yeah. sees the excitement in it and in, it doesn't in, the,
0: in all the wrong ways it's he's almost channeling paul greengrass in the way he films yeah
2: it, it feels right. like a born movie at some point for yeah. sure like anytime they use like surveillance footage is just like oh, it was like born yeah. There's all this Which handheld
1: is- camera work that kind of gives us that yeah. like boots on the ground type of feel
2: mm-hmm. for sure,
1: yeah, but um it's it's ostensibly supposed to be an you know a tribute to the victims, but you know, really it's it wants to find the heroes. And I think you're talking about a situation in where you know, at the end of the day, a bunch of cops shot up a boat. is kind of what you're talking about right um you're talking about a situation where you know not that there wasn't some bravery um you know involved in this this event but i mean you're talking about taking the the people who were mercilessly killed by these terrorists or or kidnapped or whatnot and sort of just using them to to tell your story about a, a fictional hero cop who was there every step of the way um who never existed who's mark Wahlberg. Who, you know, is in essence the city of Boston. <laughs> he's 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 got a name that you have to say with a Boston accent. You cannot say Tommy Sanders in you know a normal in a normal exactly. accent.
3: Yeah. It and forces I think
1: you to say it in it's almost with like dropping your R's.
0: I always and you know, we could be repeating ourselves from what we stated in, in a of Extinction episode, but it's almost as if Wahlberg is never self-aware of himself in any performance. I think he's just, he takes himself so seriously and it it's distracting and it's egotistical. Um, and Tommy Saunders is almost as though it's the most Wahlberg-esque that we've ever seen because he's, he's going to do what he claims is the right thing. He wants to be a part of the action. He wants to bring down evil that has brought um, his city into shambles. But he doesn't – he can't, it, like, escape his Boston from himself, you know? And people will – they can't pronounce Mark Wahlberg without making some kind of Boston joke or remark. And it's like you're saying with the Tommy Slaughter's name, right? It's yeah, it's more I mean, inseparable. Yeah. Any-
1: There's a line I wrote down while I was watching it. Um, Midway through the movie, one of the other cops uh, says to him, and uh, let me pull this up real fast. He says something along the lines of, there's a thing of beauty buried deep in the heart and soul of Tommy Saunders. Yeah, right. What does that mean? What does that mean in terms of this story in which you've portrayed real people who were murdered but played by actors, real people who were murdered. Um, You portray terrorists, real life terrorists portrayed by actors. When you portrayed, you know, the effectively faceless victims of a horrible crime. Um, And you take a moment to congratulate the beautiful soul of your Hollywood A-list star, who is a fictional composite, who's sort of meant to carry the audience through this story um And I, I can't really separate the idea that this isn't, you know, Mark Wahlberg almost asserting himself as sort of a spirit of Boston itself, and a spirit of, you know, of the police, and a spirit of the so-called heroes, and the you know, spirit, you know, and I say so-called just in the sense of, you know, this is Mark Wahlberg. This yeah. is this is the guy who did nothing, who was not there, who but feels the need to tell the story on film. In a way that emphasizes the violence, in a way that emphasizes the gore, in a way that emphasizes the um, the fear. Um, I don't think this is a movie about victims at all. It, it claims to be about victims. It ends with the the testimonials of victims, but it does not. It is not about victims. It is about violence.
2: Yeah, the move the movie is basically the real like quote unquote victims that are. What you could call characters, even though a lot of them are just like the dad or whatever of the toddlers, I don't even know his name. He's like in it for two seconds. And is like the big thing about him is that he has a son. That's like the only character trait he has. But, you know, he's one of the main victims that the movie shows. And it's like what the movie is not really. a. I, I can't understand the idea that people think it's about victims because the majority of the film is about cops and, right. or the terrorists. Like it's not even, it's insanely not close. Like, but maybe you could count Jimmy O. Wang's character. um, He's, he's the
1: best performance in the film. He's absolutely the best performance in the film.
2: Yeah. I, I, I I can definitely see that. Um, He's, yeah, he's solid. I, I, the funny thing is watching this movie. It's just like, I actually, I I don't know if this is a hot take or whatever, but I actually think Wahlberg is kind of good in this movie. Like, just, like, acting-wise, and I think, like, wow. the scene, it's, like, especially, like, the scene of him, like, basically, like, crying to Michelle Monaghan about, like, what he saw at the bombing. I think it's pretty engaging. I, I, I don't mind him as an actor, to, to be honest. I, I think sometimes, he, you know, even oh, though he's... yeah. Uh, I like him he, as an actor, actually. Yeah, yeah. Even though he can be very, like, he can be a you know, a caricature of himself, and he's horribly annoying as a person and as a personality but I, I do find him to be a decent actor um and so like I find the performances to be you know across the board like pretty good like there's some that are just like a, a too, just some that are just so completely out of it that I, I'm you know like I, like I don't I don't really buy any of the terrorists or whatever I don't think they're I mean I, they're given nothing to do really I mean like they're not Alex Wolf characters. is okay yeah, he's okay. Yeah, he's yeah. The thing, I mean, he's a good actor in general, but like, yeah, he's definitely he's the definition he's of like,
1: fun as okay. playing Jokar Sarnayev is sort of like an aloof stoner. Um, uh, no, which I, is kind of. Yeah. I I think the only thing I really like about this movie is that it makes the the terrorists out to be bumbling idiots. Like, I think that's the only thing that's like really worthwhile. Is really taking any sort of potential glamour out of of what they've done. Um, by making them out to be these total buffoons, which I, I think is fine. I think that's a fine way to do it is to just show, like, you know, these, these wannabe, uh, you know, you know, martyrs, yes. you just being, yeah, you know, total, you know, total, uh, chuckleheads. Dip- I mean, that's kind I of think- how they are portrayed in the film. And I'm okay with that.
0: Yeah. And, and honestly, Wolf is actually my favorite performance. And mm, I think it goes, it goes to, um, I've known him forever. Like I've known Alex since Naked Brothers band. You know, and and I think I'm always gonna have a little bit of um, forgiveness for any project for him uh, or Nate. Nate is gonna is gonna be in. because um, he's only like around Clay and I's age. Um, but besides that, I, I I do think that he nails the wannabe martyr of the Sonario of brothers because they purposely make it out to to say, you are not what you think you are. And I don't, and again, like, I don't know if Pete knows what he wants to say about them, like about what they were trying to accomplish. And maybe we don't, and he's willing for the audience to fill in those gaps. Um, but it's, it's like, you need to say something, like you're clearly wanting Wahlberg to be a vessel for the third time now you wanted to be a vessel for true American heroism, and uh, the nature of good, bringing people together for to fight a common enemy. But once it becomes something of fighting, like something so f- personal, it, it doesn't feel it doesn't feel like this it meshes. Is
1: a film that suffers from the presence of stars it's 100%. a film that needed right. to be anonymous. It needed right. it needed the actors to not be recognized. Cuz there can't be
0: glamour in this. Like we've talked about, it. this isn't it can't be shot as if um Paul Greengrass directed it, you know? It yeah. can't be stylish. Like I thought about um not a Boston movie, but Gus Van Sant's Elephant. Right? Yeah. And, and I've seen that. There's it's excellent. And there's no uh, I mean from what I remember there's no real famous people in that the um the students and the school shooter are treated with equal levels of respect or or no one is given equal like sympathy or something and and it once it's like school betrayed there is no stylishness or personality it's uh, it's almost banal but still familiar and i think once you get to the school shooting at the very end of that movie, you're kind of shocked and you're like jolted, at least mm-hmm. I was. And and I think that is a brilliant way to uh, portray a real life tragedy um, without making any stylish panache on top of yeah. it.
1: I, I think what, what one thing, the thing that it hits you right off the bat is that the film is, is constantly foreshadowing or not even foreshadowing, but just laying on, you know, that you right. know what you came for and you know what's about to happen. I think the time marathon.
0: codes are what really just like irritates you right off. The yeah, it's away. like
1: 24 hours to the yeah. marathon.
0: And it's like it's because
1: they, they know that you know what you're seeing. They don't think anyone's going in and going to be surprised when there's a bombing at the marathon. And so they're just kind of laying on this this sickly type of like tension is his attempt, and I think it fails attention because you know exactly what's going to happen, and it's trying so hard in order to to drive that home. It's you know those t- like you said those time cars or they'll they'll show you Watertown, Massachusetts, seven miles from Boston, which which actually like, it borders Boston by the way. It's like seven yeah. miles from maybe the, the finish line, but it's yes. <laughs> um the geography but, um,
0: is a whole other you know yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. But um you know it, it's you know that type of thing, or you're they're showing you all these characters, these these people, like they're showing you Jimmy. Yang who's just oh he's just a, a poor immigrant who's you know trying to make his way in the city or they show you Sean Collier the uh the MIT cop and they're trying to set up him as like oh he had a date and he was very sympathetic and I, I feel terrible for these real people including Sean Collier who is dead um that yeah and I, know, I believe his family
0: up- was um rather felt they rather felt disrespected from yeah, his I, betrayal I think
1: a really disrespectful portrayal because i think the it's not that the character is is like isn't sufficiently sympathetic it's that they are using him to create to try and manipulate the audience and it's just too blatant right. it's it, it, it's funny I, I think people talk about audience manipulation and what and, and you know people say something like say like the that titanic is manipulative Really, what when people say a movie is manipulative, what they're really saying is that it failed to be manipulative. It, it laid its cards on the table and, and gave it away that it's manipulative. Because any successful movie is manipulative. It's controlling your feelings. It's it's creating attention. It, it's using sight and sound in order to uh, uh, elicit emotions. And it's when it fails that you recognize it. And that's what Patriots say is, ha- is happening in Patriots mm. Day. You are recognizing exactly what the movie wants you to feel and it makes me angry it makes me really angry at the movie that they're they're using these real people to try and just you know work the waterworks like and and i think that's really an issue with with the film and with its intentions and again why it's not about victims why it's about violence
0: i remember along those lines hearing a similar criticism about uh oliver stone's world trade center which is a movie that really like doesn't exist, but rather it just leans into um, your trauma into witnessing the events of 9-11 mm-hmm. to reel you in hook, line, and sinker and be like, with the use of uh, Nicolas Cage and Michael Pena and all, all these stars that we've assembled, we're going to try to bring some catharsis to 9-11 and make everything seem okay because America's heroes are here first yeah. and we need things to just work out in fiction
1: you know it, it's it's hard for me it's like watching Patriot's Day it's interesting because I have such a a lizard brain reaction to seeing places I know and recognize um mm-hmm. and watching it again you know it's like when the Zarnayev stop at the ATM it's like i know what that bank i know that bank that yeah. they stop it like i've been to that atm i know that you know it, it's the the watertown mall has a shot just like a helicopter above the watertown mall and i'm like oh my god like i, yeah. I go there all the time i know that like place. there's
0: that one um, there's this one moment when the bombs go off and uh tommy saunders is is help, helping a bunch of people and he's running around at one point he goes into a restaurant and has a has a swig alcohol which is a whole other thing and I recognize that restaurant that was was Joe's on Newbury Street
1: (laughs) (laughs) right and it's like your your brain is kind of like and that's part of why I wanted to do this topic though is like you know you feel very much a connection to seeing the place you live represented on film and it's, it's really hard seeing it in a way that is not only opening the wound of a tragedy but doing it in a way that really is is like kind of hurtful. Um I mean they did not sh- the 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 Watertown shootout scene, the um the shootout and the boat in the boat sequence. You know, they wanted to shoot those in Watertown, but the the residents, you know, said no. They're like we don't we don't need fake gunshots going off when we like experienced a real thing. And so they actually shot those scenes in Framingham, um, downtown Framingham, you know, the, the architecture is basically similar enough. It's the same so that they could, um, you know, shoot those scenes there. And that, I, I have to imagine that's where the I'm from Framingham and this is my spot line comes from is, uh, they were shooting there. Um, I don't know that for certain. That's just my, my guess. um, I do have one last thought on this movie I wanted to bring up because we, we want to talk about some other things, but um, it's during the bombing sequence. The amount of times they cut back to severed limbs and the gore is egregious. It's, it's constantly, it's, you'll see smoke, you'll see Mark Wahlberg running around and then you'll see a leg and then you'll cut and then you'll see another leg. And you'll cut, and you'll see another leg, and it's it's. I have to ask, why do you think they are rubbing our noses in the violence so much, in 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 the death, and you know, and you know, amputations so much? So it's they really are sticking your face in those those severed
2: bloody limbs. Berg I wanted think... to make a thriller. Oh. He wanted to make it. He wanted. He can see. Can this movie is constructed as an action thriller? It is just pure. Per, like bare bones it is like the whole talked about the leading up to it the time codes the tension the score itself I mean it's a good score but it's and Ross, f- which
0: I forgot about actually <laughs> yeah, yeah I forgot yeah, too. yeah
2: I found the funny thing though is like and I don't know what Reznor and Ross's notes were about making this score I found it gross like the score itself I found pretty gross just because of how Like, it was, like, scored, like, a horror movie or, like, a thriller Mm. at times or, like, a spy action. It did feel
0: tone deaf. Yeah.
2: It, it, for some, like, even though, like, yes, the shots and, like, the focus on gore, like, in the hospital and shit. Yeah, that's, like, you know, like, that is also really fucking gross. But the score really just bothered me uh, because it just it just kind of screamed in my face how no one understood like what they were trying like they that they everyone misunderstood what they should have made or that they shouldn't make it in the first place but they just completely misunderstood the assignment and what should have been um and like it just and i understand I, i could see the argument of well you gotta make sure you can you know, you, you have to feel like you were there, so you have to see you know all of it because that's the point is that you want to feel as if you're in the exp- like you're experiencing it yeah. because we want it to be visceral. and at the it, it, I just at one point I just have to say when it's like that kind of idea of well we're showing you all this so you can feel like you're there. Why the fuck do we need that?
1: That's a really good point that they want you to feel like you're there. Yeah. Like that's really what they're doing. That's a really good point. <clears throat>
0: But why do we need that transparency? There's no mm. use
2: for this fucking
0: movie. There's no you. What does this
2: point? What does this give us? It doesn't give us a sympathetic portrayal tra- uh, of fucking victims. It doesn't give us shit. We don't learn anything from it. It's so. So
1: I I was really struck. Um, and Jack, this is you mentioned this movie and I, I watched it for the first time this week. But um, David Gordon Green's Stronger also with Jake Hall, another I mean another movie with a star about the marathon bombing but mm-hmm. in such a polar opposite way and and right. I it's don't think that movie I don't think that movie's perfect but there's
0: things that it does that are so much more respectful that is it's a movie really, about victims it's rock solid it's rock solid yeah I, like, I think to specifically hone in on uh uh the bombing itself yeah. it, Gordon I think David Gordon Green frames it v- like very narrow and very yeah. intimate uh, to where Jeff was standing in opposition to where the bomb was planted. And that's not to say that there were bombs everywhere on Newbury street right, where right, the right. bird frames it. Right. Yeah. The yeah. Ent- it's, like it's not the like- entire s- street. It was just like, um, and, I, and there was, there was that one time uh, there's that one shot in stronger where it's like um, the Sonar brother, he bumps Jeff in the shoulder and you kind of realize, okay, we don't have to follow the bomber, but we just realize that they are relatively close to each other.
1: It's wild how much it subverts like everything that Patriots day does. And I think it came out one year later, one year later, one year later. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: Well, well, I think what was, what struck me the most is that whereas Patriots day for the first half hour of the film is laying on this whole, Oh, you know, what's going to come. (laughs) Oh, you know, you know, what's coming. Um, Stronger has almost no foreshadowing except for that one little bit where I, you know, it's clearly Tamerlan's Zarnayev that bumps into him Um, in that it it, literally, but 30 seconds later, the bomb goes off, but it's such an understated sequence. It's you, you open the movie, they're at a bar. They're just kind of kicking back drinks. You learn a little bit about this character, about who he is. And okay. He's kind of a fuck up, you know, he hasn't been there for his girlfriend and then just bombs go off and that's it. And it's so fast and it just happens suddenly. And I think what, and I think it's interesting is that like you were saying clay, that Peter Berg is trying to capture what it was like to be there. I think David Gordon green is kind of capturing what it's like to be there, except in the way that he captures the, the way it catches you unaware, the way that it just happened, Mm -hmm. the way that no one was expecting it. Then suddenly just, just bam, an explosion and everything's changed. And then he doesn't linger which
2: is what the smartest thing he does is, is he just. Because there's no moves. use for it. What, what's why? I'm, that's what like the biggest question of this movie for me was why, why do we, why, why, like why do we need to spend so much time on the terrace when you're not going to try to humanize them and you're going to make them like caricatures? Why mm-hmm. are you, why are you, you know, why are you spending this much time like trying to cut back between all of these different characters and try to make this ensemble when you, all, but you revert back to just making it like revolve around Tommy. Like, I do think like, funny enough, I do think Berg would have been, I think he is able to make this film without Mark Wahlberg. I think he could have done this yeah. with an ensemble. It seems like he had, yeah. like, it seems like he, like g- like geographically in his, when I mean geographically, I mean like story-wise of, I think he understood of how, like I, I could easily see this, being an, like a pure ensemble piece of having just complete like uh, fifty different characters because mm-hmm. I do th- it's this it does seem like he could have pulled that off, and yeah. I again I do think this movie is well made in the sense of like its shot composition like its pacing in general it's engaging but yeah they it's just but it what it, it's about and what in the the content of what they're shooting and what they're making and what they're saying and the the thematic elements of it it's just like. It's so fucking gross. it's so I don't gross. think it and recognizes
0: it, itself. It's almost no. I, I mean, I commented earlier that Wahlberg doesn't seem aware of himself as a personality in the public and a per, in a in a movie star. And I think that Patriot's Day is almost serving itself like that as well. It doesn't realize what it's trying to say. I don't think it realizes what it wants to say in the first place and how to get there. Um, And also I think it's made by somewhat of an amateur in this, in a crime genre. Like, I don't know if Berg took a step back and realized how he wanted things to be mapped out. Like it's, it's coming from someone who's almost too giddy to be playing cops and robbers when they don't know how to structure something cops and robbers related.
1: They're just, Good it's point. just like every cop that just shot into that boat because they wanted to be the one to fire the lethal to shot. To fire
0: the Shana- Shania, brother. Yeah. They um,
1: like, I mean, the way, I mean, it's even in the movie. The, the fact It's you yeah. know, like, it is kind of one moment of self-awareness in the movie where they're just kind of like, guys, 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 like, why just stop shooting. <laughs> like, you know, um, mm-hmm. so, I mean, I, one more thought on Stronger though, contrasting that. Um, where Stronger kind of gets it is... Um, you do wind up seeing though sequence of, you know, the aftermath of the bombing, but green knows how to employ that and knows how to make it effective. And I, and I thought it was an okay movie, but that sequence really made me like feel emotional, which is when he saves it for after our, our protagonist played by Jake Gyllenhaal is at his lowest and, you know, is on the ground. Cause he, he, he loses his legs and he is, um you know, in a you know, kind of in a despair and, it's it's really at his lowest that he then cuts to the in the last like 20 minutes of the movie cuts to a flashback of the the bombing and you do see some gore you do see some viscera but it's employed to such different extents I mean I think we were talking about this Jack it's it's about empathy it's legit empathy for the victims and you know no interest in you know the cat in mouth no interest in the cat and mouse chase of the the you know hunting down the the bombers it's it's very empathetic and i think that's um that's really you know the way to do it
0: i think that patriot's day is about tracking down the scenario brothers and the procedural elements that followed yeah while um stronger is just a slice of life movie and it happens to be a sort of a, a romantic comedy in a sense between Maslani and Joan Hall, but then a tragedy strikes. And you can't just make the event tragedy about the thing. I think what would be most successful, personally, is to have something be... as to have it be about something, but then the Boston bombings interrupt it. Yeah. Right. Did you guys watch The Thread? I did. I loved it. Did, the I, movie's wild. I adored it. I... I, I think um Can you give some context to
2: uh, what it is?
0: Yeah. Um yeah, yeah, I just um as you know, as someone who's who starts a, a 2010s podcast, I think I love everything 2010's pop culture related, right? And I think that the internet is so vital to um to getting at pop culture related 2010s things. So so, so and, the thread but, but is yeah, a documentary. no, I just I really I really enjoyed it. That's all. That's... The
1: the thread is a documentary about the boss in uh, marathon bombing and
0: it's available on Tubi now by the way before we
1: to yeah finish. and it was on netflix for a while um it, it, it's spe- and i think what's brilliant about it is the director specializes in stories about terrorism he's like a, a, a docu-generalist and the the story kind of follows how misinformation spread on reddit and on 4chan and through the media um to Lead people in the public to believe the wrong people were the were uh, responsible for the marathon bombing. Um, basically, it starts with the bombing and then goes to all these sleuths online and subreddits who thought that they could, you know, track down. Because if you'll remember historically, um, it took like a week or so. It, it took yeah. a little while for. Them it took to like actually five days. Catch, yeah. Yeah. catch are I remember that. And during that time, no one was really sure. And so people on 4chan and people on Reddit thought that they could sort of track this down. And they were pouring over footage and photos. And what happened is they ID'd the wrong person. They found a kid who had gone missing about a week earlier, a week or two earlier, who was Muslim and who it turns out um, tragically had killed himself um, Mm -hmm. and was dead uh, at this time. But, they thought oh he's gone missing it must be because he went and planted a bomb and so this would have just been you know bad internet chatter if it weren't for buzzfeed and the new york post which yeah. picked up this story and ran it creating just a nightmare for the family um, and,
0: and it's then, also you know, when buzzfeed, buzzfeed just started to to get into like serious real news. serious journalism and
2: was this the Syrian national they mentioned like they mentioned on the news like just in passing in the film because there's this point where like well we've received reports or, or like they're like they interview uh, the police chief and they said you know is it true that you have a Syrian na- a 20 year old Syrian national in custody and he's like no that's not true and how like that was like they the thing there's something similar
1: around. they at one point JK Simmons or John Goodman I forget who slaps down it's a New John New Goodman York Post I think. Co- yeah, John Goodman slaps down a cover of the New York Post and is like, "We have to get on this." Um, I think that's what it's referring to in okay. the Patriots Day. Um, but but the thread is wild because you know, kind of the director turns to these subreddits and starts asking, "So what the hell went wrong? Like, what the hell did you people do?" Right. <laughs> like he really, like he really turns the the camera towards these people online who thought they could do this and just are like and he's just sort of asking them what the fuck is wrong with you yeah like what is like like it so he finds the the moderator of the subreddit that was like find the boss and bombers it turns out it's, it's this dude who just is
0: like some guy in college yeah
1: some just, guy in college who yeah. just like is totally out of his death he's like interviewed in a bathrobe and he's drinking seven up out of a bad motherfucker mug that's very and, funny. and he's like and they're like oh you like movies like yeah I like like terry Gilliam movies yeah like, i want to create he was
0: and, he was he like his first talking hand interview was like i like to create worlds
1: <laughs> yeah yeah have you guys he's seen, like...
2: have you guys seen <laughs> feeling good man
1: yeah feel good man yeah, yeah that's right yeah yeah feels good man yeah the, the pepe yeah feels
2: good man sorry yeah but there's like but that that you're just describing that because i haven't seen the thread but like that describing like that whole 4chan culture and there's like these interviews of the people who are on 4chan and that whole like it is very much like these people who feel like they are the ones who know who you know i i I know how to do this because i have the internet i I Mm -hmm. actually know everything and i actually have like the skills required
0: i have the most important tool in modern technology
2: so i must and, be equipped
0: and i think i think the thread is fascinating because it takes early internet early or like I, I still consider 2013 2012 to be very early development i think um, what we are aware of now with um, where buzzfeed is and their uh, journalistic legitimacy and buzz and uh, reddit and how it's constructed itself to be much, much more sophisticated. I think in 2013 that we can see the developments and it is, it's a very special kind of time capsule. Um, and I'd love the morality debate between uh, that guy who's, who's been like, you know, I worked for vanity fair, the New York times, the New York yeah. Post, uh, and he's listing off his credentials and he's like, these guys are nothing. These, you can't just, Post anonymously uh say whatever abide by rules and get away with it it needs to yeah, be fact-checked it needs to be but then it's, it's like Who it's fact it's quite checks literally about ethics and journalism <laughs> right 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 right
1: it's fast um and, and you know and, and so the last part of the thread though is to- takes a totally different direction too where they they interview this kid that was this freshman at yeah. emerson college when the
0: I also just, I also just love everyone that they get for the interviews. I think there's no bad oh interview God. in the thread.
1: Yeah, no, it's wild. It's it's yeah. only like 50 minutes. It's dude. an hour. It's and they fit an, in it's so under they fit an hour so
0: much. They fit in so much.
1: It's like they interview this kid who is a freshman at Emerson, and he just kind of talks about being like really dejected and not really having friends. And so when the bombing happened, and it it, for context, Emerson College is right in Boston Common. Yeah. It's it's right in that area, so it's right mm-hmm. near Beacon Street where it's a beautiful the bombing school. happens. Yeah, so um so he gets obsessed with this and in the week he just starts following the police. He like gets the police scanner and is like listening in and on the night when they're like the Watertown shootout and they're chasing them through Cambridge and like you know leading to the boat, he just starts following them he gets in a car and he just starts following the cops this whole way through this it's an insane story and it really happened and it's to interview him in the thread and he was posting about it on reddit during the whole time which is why it connects like he was yes. just live tweeting the 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 manhunt Watertown for the shootout.
0: bombers. Yeah, yeah,
1: it's wild. I highly recommend the thread. I
0: do recommend stronger.
1: I don't recommend Patriots Day. I think we, I
0: think we can all agree on that sentiment. Yeah.
1: Um. Can so I, I think we're. Um,
0: yeah. Was that I class? just want to
2: say one more thing. I, I know we want to move on to like Boston cinema and stuff. I I, I do want to say one thing about Patriots Day before we um leave the topic. Um, this movie isn't. It, it, it claims to be about the you know hero like you know the community of Boston the heroes of Boston, Boston strong. This movie is not about any of those things. It's about cops. The movie's about cops. Yeah. It's about the police. Those are all like those are the all of the major characters in this film besides the terrorists and maybe Jimmy O. Wang. Those are the people who have like actual agency in the story and like are fully like are the most fleshed out characters have are played by the biggest stars. Um, you know fucking kevin bacon um you know jk simmons all that kind of shit Goodman, it's about man. cops this yeah. is a cop movie who plays so, Patrick it, again? We co- well
0: what? i don't remember Do who plays play? them but yeah, i laughed I so much
1: when I, when that title yeah, card uh,
0: dropped yeah yeah the title cards are so weird to introduce the characters like They're it like feels like Patrick. it feels so important and like self-serious like i, I mean oh obviously it's a serious it, but it brings, like, it, yeah, <laughs> it brings it to self-parody yeah honestly <laughs> self-parody that's what but I'm there's looking, no yeah. first
2: aid characters. There's no nurses that yeah. are actual characters. There's no people who like. There's no citizens who helped like take people off. We don't like. We, there is a, story. Seen a hospital. Yeah, there's a story of. I think I can't, if I remember correctly, I haven't looked this up in a while. I'm just remembering it now. But I think a former Kansas City Chief player, like an offensive lineman, was at the race at the Boston a Mar- Boston uh, bombing, Boston marathon bombing. Excuse me. And he like, and there's pictures of him now. I'm pretty sure it's Kansas city chiefs, former offensive lineman. I don't quote me on it, but I'm pretty sure. Okay. Um, And like, there's this very famous picture of him carrying this woman out of like, you know, like from the explosion or whatever. And like, I think she's wounded and like, like that, like, that's like the real heroism of the whole situation was the people on the ground who weren't like whose jobs weren't to remain calm and like to keep the peace. I'm not saying there weren't cops in that situation that weren't "quote unquote" heroes or did not perform acts of heroism. Of course, there are cops there who did. But to solely revolve it around them says basically that they're the reason why, like they're the reason why, like Boston survived. The real, you know, the real people of Boston are that actually, you know, help the community are cops. No one really, not not many, not many people yeah. else. It's all yeah. Cops. There's no one else featured. Yeah, and that's yeah. I fucking hate it um we are we are recording and i i I just want to address this real quickly just because it's just needs to like we're recording this like right like a few days after um the shooting of adam toledo we're recording this uh, like uh, like a week um after the dante wright shooting like it's and it just this movie like it's just one of those things we plan this we plan to record this way in advance before any of this happens obviously and it's the timing of it just fucking sucks
1: it's a, it's almost hard though because it's like this is always happening it's it's almost yeah, just it's like you are saying you're saying it's like oh it's like happening right now and it's like i'm not disparaging him. i'm just saying the problem is this is always happening it's
2: true
0: there's
1: it always true. something in the news about it just feels like it's just been i just saw so something this week i just saw something the other day or, or earlier today that it was from the other day about a, a cop that just tackled and dislocated the shoulder of a 73-year-old woman with dementia cuz she I I shop- this, yeah. she she shoplifted from Walmart shoplifted as in she has dementia and didn't realize she walked out without paying um you know and was picking flowers on the side of the road and it's it's just it's, this is happening constantly. And there's a bit at the end of Patriot's day when they're doing the real interviews oh, with real people. Man. And there's that one dude who's like a water, I think he's a watertown cop. And he's just like, it was like, there were people celebrating cops. When was the last time you saw that? And it's like, well, maybe they celebrate you because they finally had something to actually celebrate instead of, you know, just the constant misery and abuse of power that's being, you know, just constantly employed. Um, it's almost, there's no good time to record this because there's always going to be true. something. No, it's true. Um, it's just,
2: yeah, it's just, I guess it's like this week, it just feels like it's just been one thing hard. after another. It's hard. I don't um, I don't blame
1: you for, yeah, having, being more sensitive now than maybe if it would have been a month ago, but.
2: Yeah, no, it, it's, it's always happening. And it's all, I guess it is always a bad time to record um, with this. It's just, yeah, it, yeah. It, it, so just watching it, it just, it's all gross to me. Um, this I, week and, just made it, it worse. It's just I, it's just funny to me because I, I like if this was a bit, this was just a completely different movie if like it had the bare bones of like the acting or like the I think acting but like the actors and not about like in a real life event and honestly not really, I don't know but like it's well made and engaging because it's like I think Berg is not I think he's actually a decent director and I think the actors yeah. here are pretty good but it's just all of the actual film what it, it's actually made of is so reprehensible that it's just really hard to swallow
1: i said at the top of this podcast i think this is an evil movie yeah i I don't mean that like hyperbolically i think it's like what it's doing is is kind of evil um in that it's a propaganda piece it's it is
2: you know i
1: i i think we said something i mean we were in a um a chat the other day made some crack about um michael bay being arlene reef but like i mean <laughs> peter berg is kind of that as well in certain ways yeah. i mean these are yeah.
2: they're the same milk.
1: yeah All right it's it's yeah. of, of a similar way um i mean it, it's a bad segue but um i mean i think we should you know i do
2: have a lot we want to cover it with. Yeah, them. no, uh, yeah I, honestly, cinema. the 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 less we talk about this movie, the better. So <laughs> let's <laughs> get into some awesome shit. I mean, Brett, do, I mean, we, getting do you the have Boston... any
0: actually? Well, I mean, before we go, do you have any last words on Patriots Day, or should we? No, we've or, set should our, we for, we've set actually, piece. should we do? Or actually, should we do? Favorites. no no we're
2: not we're not gonna okay, yeah okay. I, 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 know, I know i n- know i know okay i just want. i'm to cutting to like we're not doing favorite or worst scene i don't i just i can't with this movie i'm, yeah, I'm just gonna it's, lay down
1: the law yeah it's it's i mean there, there's a lot we want to get to though i mean i think there's a lot to talk about in boston cinema because in, in a way kind of talking about uh patriots day so much of what's kind of popularly recognized as boston cinema is crime movies i mean you think about sure. what are the big ones i mean what are the big ones that come to your mind probably the town the town, yeah. town departing uh, gone, yeah. gone, gone, baby gone, gone baby gone um mm. mystic river With Dark saints yeah they're, they're crime movies it's yeah. so much about crime all saints
0: day <laughs> Yeah, either
1: with Ben Affleck <laughs> or Kevin Bacon. Yeah, Ben Affleck. For some reason, you know, it's funny. Kevin Bacon is not even from Boston, but he's says no, so very many much. Boston not. Movies. isn't it like LA? It's LA so weird. Or, you know. Yeah, but he's just so yeah, many Boston. So, yeah, movies. He's I think he's just silly, maybe. Uh, yeah, yeah double ch- somebody like fact check that, please. But um, yeah, it's it's funny where he's he's in so many Boston movies. But he's I mean, Ben Affleck obviously. Oh wow! Yeah, ancient from rivals. downtown.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So um, I mean, but. It, it, it's funny to actually think about kind of um, you know what is representative of Boston on film and how much deeper the story goes. And I kind of start. I kind of deliberately decided to start with Patriots Day because I thought sort of thought it was. I mean, if you think about the 2010s in Boston, I mean, this is a podcast about film of the 2010s. And if you think yeah. about the two most defining things that happened to Boston in the 2010s, I mean, or the, the rather the three most defining things. Um, Tom Brady leaves the city, <laughs> but, He's um, true. but actually seriously, it's the marathon bombing and it's the death of Thomas Menino, um, our mm-hmm. longtime mayor and giving way to Marty Walsh's uh, mm-hmm. administration throughout the 2010s. I mean, those, those are really the two big things that happened to the city in the, in the decade that kind of redefine it is the marathon bombing and, and you know, uh, Menino, uh, going away. But, um, in film, this is the real first full decade of having the Massachusetts tax credit. And then number four is also,
0: um, n- number four, we should also mention is a market basket going on strike. And it's like, you
1: know. That was actually, yeah, a pretty big thing. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, a, in terms of cinema, um, it's the first full decade of the Massachusetts tax credit, um, which went into effect in 2006. And you don't really start seeing it until the next year in terms of the movies that are produced. I mean, before that, uh, films like uh, Mystic River and The Departed, you know, Eastwood and Scorsese had to really fight to get their, um, you know, you know, to be able to film here. And you know, it's it's like, why can't you just set it in L.A.? It's easier. What's to film the here.
2: tax credit again? So
1: basically, there is a, um, a Big, big benefits for film productions of a certain size, i.e. Hollywood, that film in Massachusetts. Um, I actually have pulled up the Massachusetts Film Office's Fast Facts here. Uh, So Massachusetts Advantage. No project or annual caps. Credits are transferable. 90% cash out option. Minimum qualified spend, only $50,000. No residency requirements. uh, The law has a 2023 sunset date. But it is fairly popular and probably going to be extended if if current uh, modes hold. So productions get 25% payroll credit, 25% production credit, sales tax exemption, you know, uh, eligibility, feature length film, video, digital media projects, TV series with a maximum of 27 episodes, a commercial for theatrical or TV viewing or as a TV pilot, multiple episodes of a TV series or multiple commercials for the same client may be aggregated to qualify. Um, It goes on. There's basically... It's very financially beneficial right now to film in Massachusetts, which is being. So they want. They made, wanted
2: this to be another Vancouver, Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia situation.
1: Exactly, one hundred percent, and it has worked. Um, there has been a big boom in movies made in Massachusetts within the past decade. I can and, name another
0: one that doesn't take place here. I believe. Oh yeah. Filmed here. Which one is uh, David Russell's Joy?
1: Oh, interesting. I did, yeah. yeah. I didn't realize. It. I never saw it, but, um, I mean, uh, lady Ghostbusters as well. <laughs> Is, oh, uh, interesting! Right, yeah, they yeah, shoot yeah. Boston for New York. They shoot, it's, it's set in New York. Um, that's like, but, Ghost,
0: it's actually called Ghostbusters 2016. Oh, yes. Okay, yes. Yeah, yes. That's yes. Right
1: but, um, but, uh, you know, so I think, you know, I think we look back though, and of this past decade, and there's been a lot of films in either Massachusetts or Boston that um, have really taken off, and and I've always been a big defender of the tax credit in the sense that I feel like cities and regions, you know, part of their mythology and part of their history is kind of told through you know media. It's, I think, you look at say los angeles and new york which are the two big film production hubs in the united states and how rich a history is told of those two cities just through the filmmaking that has occurred there that has captured the city throughout history and the story of boston film doesn't really begin in earnest until about 1950 there's an excellent book uh by a critic named paul sherman who i think teaches at harvard uh and it's called big screen boston it came out in 2008 and it sort of catalogs it's it's more of an encyclopedia almost of every nearly every film made in massachusetts from the inception of the medium to uh 2008 when the book comes out and he he's really exhaustive i mean i've i've managed to dig up a few Deeper cuts that he missed, but you know, that's I it's because I've got really obsessive about this. But um, you know, and I, I remember reaching out to Paul Sherman after I read this book, you know, back in when I did an initial deep dive back in like 2014, and uh, I asked him if he was planning to do a sequel, and he said he know no because he didn't really want to try have to keep up with the tax credit. I mean the number of productions and the the boost. But you know, there if you go back to the history of Boston film the first movie that we know that is shot in Massachusetts, uh, to my knowledge is a William Dixon short film called Rip Van Winkle based on the story Rip Van Winkle that was shot on Cape Cod, um, in 1896. It's about four minutes long. It's technically a sort of series of 30 seconds films. Um, there's a few silent films that, uh, did some shooting around here. Uh, there's an adaptation of Vanity Fair from 1915, a shot around Boston. And there's a 1917 Mary Pickford film, The Pride of the Clan, which uh, shoots Marblehead, uh, but shooting Marblehead for Scotland. Um, you know, there, there's some films, there's a, a Wilderness from 1935 that shoots around Grafton. Um, and there's some other spare Hollywood productions here or there. But the real big first film to shoot in Boston is 1950? Uh, it's Mystery Street, a film noir uh, starring Ricardo Montalban. Uh, it's also known as Murder at Harvard. I think is the other title. Oh, bad and shoots. Yeah, <laughs> shoots around the shoots around Harvard Square, shoots around the Cape, um, and it, it's kind of an early procedural. Um, it almost has a bit of a proto CSI uh, vibe to it, which is uh, something Paul Sherman points out in his book. Um, in that it's kind of you know they find a body on Cape Cod, they bring it to Harvard for analysis, and a lot of the movie is trying to solve the crime by doing you know forensics. Um, and so it's got a very uh, proto CSI crime scene investigation type of vibe to it, except through the the lens of film noir uh jack did you manage to watch that one
0: i didn't I, I still uh i mean it sucks to admit this but i couldn't figure out how to turn off the commentary oh no, no, there's, no this I was, I was... com- there's this built commentary with mystery street and i was like oh this does actually look pretty good you know like 50s noir that's pretty intriguing but yeah i was just like how do i there there's people talking over this but um maybe it maybe
1: yeah yeah it, it's good it, i mean it's it's actually a pretty good movie um and mm-hmm. you, it's a lot of interesting shots of like old harvard square in cambridge and you know some you know some footage there mm-hmm. um there's another film noir from 1952 called walk east on beacon that's um kind of a cold war propaganda red scare movie about a communist splinter cell in you know kind of uh hiding in in boston and uh you know shoots around beacon street obviously um, it's not that good. <laughs> I'll say that. Yeah. But, um, you know, and sort of, I think, you know, there's a lot to talk about in between, but, um, you know, sort of film production starts ramping up in the sixties and seventies and through the eighties and nineties. And, and finally to this, um, you know, current period. Um, I think if we talk about just the 2010s though, I mean, the, the decade kind of begins with a bang. You have back to back. You have um, in twenty ten. You have uh, Ben Affleck's The Town, and you have David Fincher's The Social the network. Social Network,
0: right? Of course. Yeah.
1: What are your thoughts? I mean, I'll throw it. To you. I've been saying a lot. So, what do you guys, <clears throat> you know,
0: think there? I think we have yet to cover The Town, and I'm very excited when we do. Um, but with The Social Network, it's I think we we went, when we covered the social, the social Network, we were eager to, and we were giddy, and I think that eagerness and that giddiness it showed in that episode because um we won we love the movie and i'm speaking for for you but i, <laughs> hey, I don't think i've seen one. it sorry um but it's it's more that I, I think it does an excellent job um showing harvard as as any fincher uh location as very lived in um but it, it's it's like the little things that like I knew the river that the ro- that the Winklevi would practice the rowing on. <laughs> oh and yeah. Yeah. And it's well, like, the, it's, the it Charles. has a very specific, the Charles. Yeah, of course. Um, and Yeah. It's, it's, it's great. I just, I love both of those. Um, I like how both Affleck and Fincher differ from their portrayals of a somewhat similar location.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, um, I mean, you know, I mean, the there's town- some scenes
0: of social network where they go off from Massachusetts, like, you know, when they go to Sacramento. and Right. Um, yeah. But-,
1: but like, I mean, I think the town is really interesting. I mean, I think, you know, so so Affleck does Gone Baby Gone in 2007. Then he does the town as his follow up. And, you know, it, it, it's it's. It's a movie I haven't seen in a little while, but um, I didn't get a chance to rewatch it. But I I think, uh, you know, a lot about, say, like the Fenway Park finale at the end Mm. and how essentially, you know, and, you know, romanticized Boston is in that film. Um, Even as he's sort of doing this, this gritty crime movie, which we've seen a lot of in Boston. You know, I think it's it's a really romanticized portrayal. He's trying to do
0: heat, essentially.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Um, Instead
2: of LA, it's yeah, Boston. And yeah, like, of course, m- man loves to romanticize heat, and heat. Be- I can't believe I just said. That. All right, but you know, what I mean, like, <laughs> you know, like Los, like Los Angeles, very much is like the backdrop of that movie, and so Boston is very much the backdrop of the town. Um, I always forget. I don't know if this sounds stupid or not, but I always forget the Social Network takes place in Boston because it does. It's just, it, I, 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 it's like a Harvard movie, and I know that you know Harvard <laughs> is obviously in Boston, but. I differentiate those in my head for some reason because sure. I think for a long, lo- large part of my life when I was younger, I knew Harvard but I had no idea where it was actually located. I just I never questioned it. I never was like, "Well, where <laughs> is Harvard?" And I'm just like, "Oh, it's a college that is like one of the best or whatever." Smart never... people
0: go there. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, I think it, know, it, yeah. Zuckerberg At- is very much not a Bostonian and is very, like <laughs> Garfield is very much not a Bostonian. Right. So it's Like. I I just I I always forget that but I do think there is these like the town and the social network are very much like I feel like of this decade are kind of the two tracks of what a Boston film is it's the one that uses as a subtle backdrop that is actually just kind of like you know that like accentuates the actual movies you know it's very you know subtle setting and then there is the movie that is about Boston. You know, there's a yeah, Boston right. movie with all there's the accents, one, there's all one of the that culture, is,
0: all of that. There's one that's a Boston movie, and there's one that happens to take place in Boston.
2: Exactly. I mean, and that's I kind like, of yeah, said something, tracks.
0: not to get ahead of ourselves, Brad, because maybe you'll bring it up in a bit. But I said sure. something similar to Spotlight, where yeah, I yeah. think it's I it's a bit of so a mix of the two. That it's a community coming together to find something secret that has also been an open secret for a very long time. Um, But it's also something that could just as easily take place in Chicago, I feel. You guys
1: said something interesting on episode, which is kind of um, talking about Boston as a small town which is which is interesting because it's both true and isn't you know in terms of like neighborhoods yeah it's you know you kind of have you know kind of like new york though like in a similar way like you know you have a city kind of broken up into neighborhoods and and you know new york has its boroughs and has it has its you know various you know streets and blocks but um You know, Boston has is broken up into a lot of different areas. There's Dorchester, there's East Boston, there's, um, you know, there's Alston Brighton, there's, you know, uh, all these different parts of the city. And depending on which part of the city you're from, uh, really varies, and and I think it's something that can maybe be confusing to people who aren't from here. But mm-hmm. you know, like Cambridge, where Harvard is, Cambridge. is its own municipality. It has its own mayor. It's separate. Mm-hmm. You know, Somerville is Somerville. Um, also part of the greater Boston, but it's its own city. It has its own mayor. Um, Watertown is its own town. It's it borders Boston. It borders Brighton, uh, but it's that's what we see in Patriots Day. A separate municipality, but it is sort of this idea of greater Boston that kind of connects it all. And so these these different outskirt towns um, are very important to sort of the greater Boston economy. And I think those, I know another one. Know,
0: um, like I have some family in Brookline.
1: Yeah, Brookline is its yeah. own great little place. Well. And that's
0: yeah.
1: it's where the coolest corner theater is um, yeah, where okay. I worked for yeah. a time um you know I I even, but yeah
0: i didn't make that connection that's right
1: yeah yeah yeah. no i worked at
0: the Coolidge corner theater yeah. in, hey in listen Brookline no big deal and, just don't mind me you
1: know no no mm-hmm. I'm, I'm i'm not joking i mean like the the theaters in boston are very much part of the film scene i mean we could talk yeah. about that too but it's um yeah i mean I, with, I think um, that's just sort the, of essential uh, to, uh,
0: the one in to cambridge i'm um, the oh god brattle? i'm um, brattle yeah uh, i mean yeah, the brattle is so es- essential I mean, yeah
1: the Brattle Theater is not just essential in terms of like if you're around here and seeing movies, but like the Brattle Theater is quite literally where the Criterion Collection was born because uh, yeah. the founders um, of the Janet of Janet's films, you know, kind of, uh, you know, worked there. And that's where it was established and built out. So, I mean, there's a, a major piece of just overall film history at this mm-hmm. one repertory theater, this one screen repertory theater in Cambridge, Massachusetts, in Harvard Square. Um. You know, I, I think going through films uh, of Boston in the 2010s is is an interesting list. Um, I mean, I, I think you, you have films that try to kind of capitalize on the crime and, you know, the Whitey Bulger story, like Black Mass, which. Um, Ugh,
2: ugly movie.
1: But yeah, bad
0: movie. I, oh, you've I think seen it that kind one? Of- Clay, I didn't know you saw that.
2: I saw. Funny enough, I like that was. I saw that in theaters. I don't know. Why. Oh wow! I, wow. Mean, I, I was saw it in the theaters too. No, I just didn't. I know. I, I, I was seven. I, I that was also. I think I saw it almost around the same. Wait, no, that came out in 2015. Never mind. I it was did. like 15 when I saw it. I was 15. Yeah. and I was just like ugh.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's. It's that one's interesting. It tries to do an interesting thing where strangely uh, good Delta,
0: cast, I remember.
1: All the yeah. stuff with Connolly is like done like Goodfellas, and all the stuff with Bulger is done like The Exorcist, which is a good <laughs> idea in theory. It just needed a better director to make it work. Directed um up. it doesn't work in practice. Um there's also I okay, did you either any of you guys see the heat,
2: the Paul Fag movie with uh Sandra Bullock no. and uh mm-hmm. Melissa McCarthy? It, where is she from, Bullock and McCarthy, Or I guess where both of them are from. Are I don't any
1: of them from Boston? Boston? I don't think so. I don't so. think so, um, yeah. Is but, Feig from um,
0: Boston? I don't know. No, He's because, a yeah, person, cause, I'm, cause I'm pretty sure. Feig
1: did Ghostbusters here right after. I think it was just tax credit stuff. Um, yeah, Melissa weird. McCarthy's from with, Mel- with
0: Melissa McCarthy, no less.
1: Um... But um, that scene, that movie has um, In the same scene One of the most grating Boston scenes I've ever seen And also one of the greatest Boston jokes I've ever seen um, It's set in the city It's a buddy cop drama uh, Buddy cop comedy rather not a drama <laughs> yes. And um, it's, it's a very serious film And uh, <laughs> Sandra Bullock goes to meet uh, Melissa McCarthy's family who are in Southie in South Boston And there's the most obnoxious scene in the world where they all have thick accents, and she's like, and they're just like, ah, like you know, do you want some chowder? And she's just like, oh, what? What did you say? I didn't understand what you said. The, the,
0: right,
1: chowder, and um, worst, worst scene ever. <laughs> But then the same scene, there is something that is so quintessentially Boston that is like the most perfect bit where you find out that her family has a collection of black velvet paintings of Jesus playing for different Boston sports teams. <laughs> and it is the oh most des- quintessentially Boston the so joke funny. I've ever seen. It's wow. just like, there's just like Jesus on the Celtics, Jesus on the Pats, Jesus <laughs> on the Red Sox, Jesus on the Bruins. <laughs> it's just like, And that's oh sort of
0: God. the... Um, and just to segue a little bit, but that's sort of the m- main blemish that you'll find on 2010's studio comedy sometimes is just, like, joke, improv, and then, like, pause for awkward silence, and then, like, you know, reaction, yeah. and then it's it just feels so mannered and has its own pattern, but it never follows through to to feel so natural and develop chemistry and we find that many many times and yeah. the, the heat is just an example <laughs>
2: yeah. the
0: heat now, i remember that was a big joke when it came out is like the heat not heat <laughs> um
1: do have you guys covered manchester by the sea yet we
0: have no
2: we're probably going to at some point we've battered around uh friend of the podcast brian rowan is a big fan of that yeah brian rowan
0: wanted to at one point we've Um, discussed
2: it we're going to at some point it's too good or at least interesting of a movie not to discuss
1: yeah Um, it's i mean that that's north shore that's um i think that what's at the very
0: center and the oscar winner of it all that's not kenny lonergan it kind of makes it a little tricky but
1: yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, for sure. I mean that that movie does have one scene that I I really love, which I think it's the the wake or the funeral where they're just like yelling across the uh, the house to be like yeah, yeah. Um, that. That's a bit that just kind of also just feels very um, very localized to me. And um, I remember
0: seeing that in 2016 and thinking that was a part of Boston that felt so um
3: well so realized. real
0: so realized and, yeah. it, and it didn't. And I think that we um, we're very anti no more crime in Boston movies anymore. I know and this is just another example of like when, when you feel like you have a sense of place without going overboard, it can right. sometimes feel better realized when it's understated.
1: Well, I think it, it you know, it captures the melancholy that, you know, the, mm-hmm. the area can really, have sometimes i I think um
0: the northeast especially especially in the winter time i think kenny lonergan really nails that the seasons really depend on uh people's moods
1: yeah and a a beach town that you know in the winter is such an amazing setting that um you know doesn't get utilized enough i think i think Mm -hmm. um I mean, you you just talk about like Martha's Vineyard as well, um, the Cape, you know, and these are places it. that, you know, people live year round yeah. and yeah. in the winter it's miserable. I mean, I don't want to speak for people who live there, you know, and enjoy <laughs> it, but like
0: there is like a melancholy. No, I, I understand where saying. you come from. I think that Maine and New Hampshire are the same thing that you feel, or at least I feel that um, when you're at the beach in the wintertime, it's almost like you shouldn't be there
1: yeah and and just the oceans all around you and it's that cold ocean air and it, it sets in and it just set it against like really tender drama is is a really brilliant touch and it, it's you know you can tell Lonergan is um you know such a thoughtful screenwriter yeah. um in addition to a director and and yeah I wish that anyone other than Casey Affleck was in that movie but um it's um in terms of just the, the, the Lonergan, what Lonergan is doing is, is you know, absolutely brilliant to use that setting in that way to tell the story of loss and in pain. Um, and I think it I think it's it feels like there's like almost a lost art in drama these days of, you know, using setting to inform the um, the characters in a way mm-hmm. that, you know, I, I think I think that um you know that year you had moonlight as well which is not in boston but you know moonlight in manchester by the sea it just felt like movies that you know don't get made these days or when when directors are making movies that are dramas like i hate to generalize but it just feels like they don't have the sense of place that that you know manchester has it, it, it's it's like, I feel, it, here's the thing, it's, it's funny. I feel like any, you could have cast someone who's not Casey Affleck and you gotten rid of that whole controversy. It could have
0: been, I mean, Matt Damon, I think would have done it just have good Damon, It could have been Damon. It could have been an unknown,
1: but you could not set that movie anywhere else. You could not yeah. set no. that movie anywhere else and have it be yeah. the same. It, it is what is it, like what it is. Um, and I think that's what's... Um, Something that, that sometimes also gets lost in these, um, you know, modern movies that are being shot in Boston that you know just don't have the feel of the place that are here just for the tax credit. What um, are some examples? Um, you know, I I mean, the fact that you know you can shoot Ghostbusters here and just shoot Boston as New York because it's cheaper than shooting in New York is is a perfect example. I think it's sad to um, you know, take a city and you know just kind of. Set up a facade to shoot it for some other place I mean which has happened plenty of times The other way around you look at a movie like say Legally Blonde which is set in Cambridge Set at Harvard but it's all shot in LA It's um you know there's some aerials Of Cambridge and that's it Um I I think you You see a lot of you know advantage there Or or like you were saying with this Even with the social network where it's like a movie that Happens to be set in Boston versus a movie That's about Boston
0: Yeah absolutely
1: Um you know, I, 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 there's an independent film. I, I feel like there's been a dearth of independent films in this period, despite the, uh, the boon and the benefit. But there's one film that I, I thought was very interesting from 2019 called Gutterbug that kind of captures the, um, it, it, it has some indie contrivances, but I really like it uh, for the most part where it kind of captures the crust punk scene. And that's a film that I think captures the sense of place really well because it's sort of cataloging the not just the punk scene of Boston which is, is a part of the the subculture but it, it's it was shot in you know the late 2010s and already through covid has felt begun to felt like has begun to feel like a time capsule there's shots of um great Scott which is a venue that uh, very early into covid it, it's in alston and uh it's a very famous music venue that uh kind of has a has a dive quality but early into covid the the landlord basically said they're not renewing the lease and it, i kind of get the sense that they were just looking for an excuse because uh there's always been music noise complaints and all that but great scott will live on they found a new location but there's like Shots of the awning, the shots of the place, you know, right before you know this uh, big world-changing pandemic happens, and capturing sort of the last images of the city as it was before um, before the pandemic, and you know the 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 culture at the time is it, very interesting. That this movie came out two years ago and is already sort of feeling like it's it's uh, history. And I, yeah. I think that's one of the things that I think is important when I talk about local filmmaking and why, the, why this matters to me, is you're sort of, you're, you're getting a place in the moment. You're getting a place in a, in a way that it will never be seen again. And um, Gutterbug is just sort of this movie that, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a little drama about, um, you know, a homeless person. Punk kid who, you know, has you know has his issues and is decides he wants to try to go back home and is struggling to, to get back to his parents. But
0: I remember hearing about this, but I I just I never fitted into the 2019 new releases schedule.
1: Yeah, yeah, it played at IFF Boston, the film festival. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, it um. It yeah it, it, it it's it's a it's a first film from the director it's it's you know got it's a little rough around the edges in certain ways but at the same time I I I have to admit like it it got to me by the end in in part because I think the place informs it so much I, I think the
0: city informs it so much and you know I think time capsules are a very specific and different way of describing something and that can be misconstrued into dated sometimes because um, yeah. we might look at that a few years ahead and very easily and incorrectly we could just say dated and i think in something else that that could apply to is called love boston bacardi no 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 you got
1: the, you got the title wrong it's love oh, bacardi oh boston
0: i think we need to end what this, is this?
1: <laughs> i don't know what this oh, is i thought you're supposed to make clay watch this Oh, well, I mean,
0: I mean, I sent it to him, but uh, I mean, I wasn't going to, like, Oh, Love,
1: Bacardi, and, you know. Boston. Oh, my. Th- this fits into your time frame, too.
0: Um, Love, Bacardi,
1: Boston is a little piece of uh, cult and if film if I lore. if I have
0: it right, were you in college wh- when this took place?
1: I was not at Emerson when this took no. place. But I was in college at the time, but just not at Emerson. Oh, yeah, that's I, what I, I meant. Sorry. About it from yeah. I learned about it from friends. So Love, Bacardi, Boston is a student film by a, a guy named Dane Schubert.
0: By the
1: way, can Man. I get some segue points? I thought that was pretty pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no. It's a- yeah, it's um. Oh my God, I I I, I want to. I'm so excited to hear your thoughts on this. So it's it's it was a student film, um. That became a cult item. Basically, freshman film majors at Emerson were required to take a, a video production class, and the final was they had to make a three to five minute film. That was the prompt. It just had to be no more than five minutes. So um, this kid comes in and produces his 30 minute magnum opus love bacardi boston <laughs> it is
0: it's this is his wanna, irishman it's his once upon a time in hollywood it's what it's, entire it's career his the room it's it's
1: it's, <laughs> his, uh, it's i mean i don't i don't even want to rag on it because it's so ambitious it's like so it's his endearing. one from the
0: heart it's his
1: you know it's so it's it comes from the heart it's <laughs> it's just like i mean you watched it more recently than i did but um yeah it's basically this this like kind of trying to be this drama that's shot around in the emerson dorms and the Boston common and it's it, apparently i've heard it it is still shown in emerson film classes as an example of don't do this <laughs> don't do this don't make this just because of
2: its length or if it's because of its content both for all of it's
1: it. yeah it's kind of both. i mean it's just yeah like i said it's like the room it's it's yeah. like um but it's just it's so sincere and not made by a narcissist but That's, by someone who's yeah. just made tried, by a like, good person <laughs> yeah uh jack you could tell maybe more about the plot i mean what did you make of this
0: yeah would you like me to describe it or yeah tell, tell so, yeah tell, tell the story so it focuses on a group of friends and one of the friends girlfriends um tries to make a move on the another friend in the group when okay. this friend reveals to everybody that he's going to be leaving emerson um then there's tension, and it's about them just kicking back one night in the backdrop to getting beer, smoking weed, and it's just about tension in the friend group while still having fun. Is how I saw it.
2: Okay. Yeah, there's like a
1: there's like a robbery at a at a convenience rob- store. Yeah, that's there's, right.
2: Yeah. Um, oh well, that's it, a, that's that's not hanging out.
1: Yeah, no, it's um. It, it but it, here's the thing it's it's hard to describe because it's one of those things that has to be seen to be believed it yeah. it's just got that kind of um it's it's too ambitious it was too much for um he bit off more than he could chew yeah yeah he bit and off more than he, he he really tried to make this deep drama about like I think generational angst. Yeah, and instead, it just comes off as these kids just jerking themselves off on camera. Right. But it's so brilliant. It it's so it's it's kind of beautiful. Like it's kind of just like oh my god, he really like shot for the moon.
0: I really do think it's a happy accident is the way I saw it. And yeah. it's like light, it's lightning in a bottle. Um, I think you're onto it. Where it's truly having its heart on its sleeve. Uh, without any excuses for that. And I think yeah. that it comes across as worthy of that is how I see it. Um, like the, the acting, I, I mean, I don't know if, what else to call it, but uh, it comes <laughs> off as so um, locked. It, it's very locked in. And do you feel <laughs> everyone having care for the, the project? Like no one's winking to the camera. Or something um and yeah i I do think that because and this is going to sound like sort of a strange comparison but it's a little bit like ryan johnson's brick because brick is shot like um a a, a film school student shot it yeah or in a high school and i love that i've always loved the way it looks because it's almost Mm -hmm. as if brandon the Gordon Levitt character is making the movie he's telling. And I kind of found that similar thing uh, with LBB, right? Where he's telling the story in yeah. almost like an omniscient uh, narrator, uh, in a way, kind of like a Stand By Me style, where he's yeah. telling this story with um, recollection. And it comes across as hopeful. I don't think it, it comes across as angry uh, with the generational angst that was intended.
1: Yeah, I, I got I want to be like uh, if anyone's curious, like this movie's a half hour long, it's on Vimeo. Um, it, 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 and it's kind of sad too because um, the kid that made it like I mean he was kind of laughed out of the class. I mean, he was super embarrassed. I, I, I think he changed his major afterwards too. like it was a real like, Kind Of, Jesus. like, shock, it was like it was pretty, like, but I think it, it kind of the Brad, I want to thank you quote. for bringing
0: this to my attention, though. This,
1: yeah, it's, no, it's it's, it's really amazing. Cool I yeah. sort of, uh, my friends that went to Emerson were the ones that turned me on to it. Um, since I never went there and so it's kind of maybe spreading it out of uh out of the Emerson circle of the the cult and maybe spreading the cult further because it's um (laughs) now we're going to Portland Oregon
0: with this you know yeah
1: but like I mean the the poor I mean I guess he like was really traumatized by it but like people really loved it and I think I think that was the thing is he thought everyone was making fun of him at first and I think maybe maybe some people were but like by the end of it it's just it's kind of one of those things where you think you're liking this ironically and then by the end you're like wait like i think i can like really just genuinely love this like i think i just like there's it, it just is one of those films that it breaks every rule of filmmaking to come together to make something that is actually like kind of effective and stays with you and you're just like i it's, it's just so sincere that it um it, it really um it really works for for being so rough around the edges
0: yeah absolutely. can i I, I,
2: I want to ask you two questions, Brad. Just uh, is it's just since we've gone on to this like you know tri- a diatribe about like boston cinema i I have had two questions since we started this. yeah what where do you think this obsession you, you know you said you're obsessed with like mm-hmm. when you said you you, you know t- you referenced the book about um I, I already forgot the author's name, I apologize Paul the Sherman. Book- they, big, big
1: screen Boston by Paul Sherman.
2: Yeah, you you referenced how that book kind of got you, or you were obsessed before the book, or you know, like the whole that whole time of you getting obsessed with like cinema in Boston, like boss like Boston movies. Where do you think that obsession yeah. comes from?
1: I mean, it's just, I mean, this is where I'm from, like you know, like. It, 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 it's god why, damn it! this is
0: framingham massachusetts this is, this is uh
1: this is a fucking city um <laughs> it, it's like why wouldn't you want to kind of see you know the place you're from on on film if, especially if you're in you know if you care about the medium of film i mean I you know and I, I it's like I'm not disparaging films made in LA or New York but it's like you know you see those two cities represented so much in American cinema mm-hmm. um, and you know s- you know their culture is so defined by it it's like I wanted to know you know what was sort of the definitions of Boston cinema and I, I think the thing that really turned me on to it and it's a film we need to discuss is um you know I would I think what really triggered it was when I saw the Friends of Eddie Coyle oh, uh, which Objectively, is is still the single best movie ever made in this this city, and uh, I mean, I think you could even make an argument that it's you know one of the best, of movie the ever best made? gangster films. Yeah, the best movie ever made, <laughs> one of the best gangster films ever made. Um, and in talking earlier about film, I mean, one know, of like the best Manchester, performances
0: but- from Mitchum. Oh.
1: About yeah. you know the melancholy of yeah. Boston. I mean, talk about yeah. that. Like in with friends of Eddie core everyone
0: looks exhausted. Not just Mitchum, but Doyle and like oh my god, everyone looks like beaten and yeah, chewed up and, and spit and, out. I don't know what Peter Yates <sighs> did to this cast, but oh it's like wow. When,
1: when they go to the Bruins game, <laughs> just you know, Bobby Orr number number four, Bobby Orr, Bobby. like yeah, yeah. and. In how tragic that is of this 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 washed up never was you know old man watching this this kid in the prime of his career just you know and in, in, in taking the taking the spirit of the city and infusing it into this character of Eddie Coyle yeah. um, particularly a, a, a city I never knew that I was before my An time. era that's so um,
0: bygone from us but
1: yet still feels so true the boston it's like it it's the the history still lingers there yeah, i mean it's that, so that, believable. that's the period of that's the the whitey bulger days that is mm-hmm. the the winter hill gang days that is you know a, a boston that is is far before i was born and yet it it, it still lingers in, in the shots there you know when they're in government center when they're in brookline when they're when they're around the city it, it you know it just it comes to to sort of a, a, a an honesty About what, what the heart of Boston Really is in a way that I, I, I Struggle to really define It's one of yeah. those things that like I think I mean Jack you being local as well I think you, you know what I say when it sort of Hits you in your, your soul like it, it hits You like this is the place I'm from Like do, is, is that am I off base when
0: I Say that I I think so I think Manchester um, Was The time where it hit me in 2016 yeah. where it's like this is this is it this is a I saw Eddie capsu- Coyle before Manchester. oh cool yeah, yeah for reference um, I I found that it was an encapsulation that I had never seen before and found it more true um, than anything I think I've seen since but I think yeah with Eddie Coyle it really is a kind of dirt and grime and bygone era that I see around my hometown of Haverhill, but I don't. But is um, it has like a like a blanket over it from everything that's been built since decades after Eddie Coyle. So it's still there, but there's like shops now. There's restaurants. There's yeah, breweries. There's gentrification and it's fascinating to see all that newness torn down and stripped away. Yeah. Um, like I know, um, I know some build. I can think of some buildings that look like the way they looked in the late seventies that we see. And it's, and it's so picture it's so perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, yeah yeah i mean I, I think manchester i mean i i didn't never really thought about it till now but yeah you're you're right i mean manchester might be the, like the first movie since eddie coiled to really capture that same kind of feeling mm-hmm. in a way in the same with, way
0: similar to how we brought up affleck in the town in his romanticization of boston yates almost hates it <laughs> right i don't know if he, he hates it but he definitely sees it. i think for it's what so it it's so unromantic that it becomes a hatred that's interesting okay yeah that's how yeah. i saw
1: it. clay clay have
0: you seen any coil no um I, you will love it i i'm on my knees I, I gotta, begging you gotta, you I will love it. this it's I on watch, um who it it's on something it, it, it's somewhere it's, yeah it's got it's a criterion blu-ray checked. Yeah, it's on Criterion. Yeah, it's not a Criterion. Also,
2: term, I right. think it's also on Canopy. If I if oh, I saw god. that correctly. Yeah. What, oh my god. It's Canopy, like I Even if you.
0: you're not from
1: Boston, it's still just like one of the best movies ever
0: made. Another uh, just, Massachusetts movie on Canopy: Titicut Follies. Oh
1: god. Oh my god. Um, we, are, we get, are we jumping the? I had I had something I wa- also wanted to talk about before we got to Wiseman. But oh my well, god. Well, just
0: just I guess I'm just shouting out that it's on Canopy. And yeah, can, I was just gonna say, talk about Boston yeah.
1: and crime movies. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> Um, I, I think um, I think going from Eddie Coyle though, there's an interesting wave of independent filmmaking that happens in Boston in the '80s that Paul Sherman writes about extensively in Big Screen Boston. Uh, they're kind of known as the Bean Streets movies um, <laughs> because, um, but they're, they're it's it's interesting. They are um, they're not well known. They're not really preserved they are um really forgotten and, and Paul Sherman is one of the only people that really has cataloged them um, you know maybe a handful of others but there's a series of filmmakers starting in 1979 um there's a guy named Jan Egelson and he makes a movie in 1979 called Billy in the Lowlands and so before this there's not really any sort of independent filmmaking in Boston outside of some documentarians, um, you know, Frederick Wiseman being one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, he's also
0: from Boston, I believe.
1: Yes, Frederick Wiseman is, and he's ba- still based. Okay, I got that but, um, one right. I got that. You got it right. <laughs> but um, no, I mean the Bean Streets movies are really interesting. So basically. Hollywood starts shooting in Boston more In the 60s and 70s I mean there's the Thomas Crown Affair In 1970 there's Love Story And, and fun side story Love Story uh, gets filmmaking banned from Harvard campuses Because they tear up the Harvard campus so much uh, Making the movie that Harvard's That's like never again yeah. um, But um, you know there, there's some movies um, In 1978 The Brinks Job by William Friedkin um, Basically comes shorthand for Why the fuck would you ever shoot in Boston That that is that he a Boston boy? Friedkin? No, no uh, I don't think, think so. so. Maybe um,
0: Chicago, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, oh, but okay. um, I'm I'm not good Brink, at this. Don't
1: the Brinks job is based on a real robbery. It's got like Peter Falk. It's got a good cast. It's not as none of their best movie. No one's best movie, but um you know the production is plagued by issues um you know they go it's a period piece so they they pay one resident 50 dollars to take his air conditioner out of his window because it's a period piece and then they show up on set the next day and everyone on the block has put air conditioners in <laughs> thinking they can get 50 bucks to take them out um at one point the the film the uh the finished film print gets stolen uh, and try to ransom it except they took a um, uh, an actual produced print not the negative so they still have the negative so friedkin is on the phone with the guy who's like give me like a million dollars or you never see your film again and he's like get a projector and enjoy it because i've got the negative <laughs> That's <laughs> Take hilarious copy. but um it be- it's such a nightmare that it becomes sh- like they just say the Brinks job for like why would you ever shoot there it's like it's like a nightmare to film in boston so in lieu of, of Hollywood, I mean, there's still some Hollywood productions, but in lieu of Hollywood, this independent scene pro- crops up. And Jan agelson in 1979 makes a film called Billy in the Lowlands, which I've actually never seen because you can't find it anywhere. It's it's not online. It's it's not available anywhere. But it's a real watermark. Um, is that the, the word? Um, it's a real touchstone.
3: <laughs> real, rather, there you it's go. a real touchstone yeah. <laughs> of
1: um, of. Uh, of filmmaking in Boston, it's a it's a social drama, and it captures the city in a way that isn't being done. And it it really inspires a wave of filmmakers. There's a husband and wife duo named uh, Randall Conrad and Christine Dahl. that make a film in 1981 called The Dozens, that is an mm. independent film about a young woman I who gets to prison. Yeah. yeah, it's hard to find, but if you can find it, it's worth it. It's um that a young woman is released from prison. They actually shot in uh, MCI Framingham, uh, the woman's prison there. Um, And she gets out, she goes home to, uh, I think, Alston, and she's uh, trying to just get, she's trying to get straight, but everything in her life is just working against her. It's just, you know, her her boyfriend is selling uh, Coke. uh, You know, uh, there's people trying to just drag her back down. And it's this drama about trying to just avoid going back to prison. It's about recidivism. And uh, I think it's very smart. Um, there's a movie called Mission Hill that I also haven't seen because it's really tough to find um, from this period. Eggleston is probably the biggest director, though. He makes a number of films, and he's the, one of the only ones to really break out and uh, you know make some more movies. He later made a film with Michael Caine called A Shock to the System. But when he's making his movies in Boston, these Bean Streets films, uh, he makes one called The Dark End of the Street, 1981, that I think is... is a brilliant film and desperately needs to be restored. I mean, Criterion or Kino or someone needs to get on this movie and Shout put factory. this out there. Yeah, yeah it, it's because it, it only exists in really rough, like VHS rips, and it's really a movie that is really poignant about race relations in Boston. It's, it's about it's about youth issues. It's it's so, Jack. You watched this movie. I mean, yes. what did you think of it?
0: I thought it was. Much better than I think its tagline informs. Um, yeah, it's it's um, a quite uh, taught thriller that gets, like you're saying, it gets at race in Boston that we don't typically see. And um, for it to come out in its time that that it did, I, I think it's is it quietly pioneering. Um, the sides of a location that is just starting to make its way in cinema. Um, So, so
1: the plot of the dark end of the street is that there's a group of teenagers and they, um, you know, they're kind of divided along race along racial lines. Um, One night um, they've been drinking and there's a, um, a black kid and two white kids and they're on a rooftop and the black kid has been, is drunk And he he falls off the roof and dies. Uh, One of the white kids is on probation. They're terrified that they're, you know, he's going to go back to jail. They're going to think he pushed him. They're going to think, you know, they're not going to believe that it was an accident. And they lie that they were never there. And it just splinters this group along along you know lines of black and white and i think you know contextually i mean this is all, film is made only a few years after the busing uh, issue in boston and it it gets to the heart of just the the racism that we you know you know is always kind of talked about and swept under the rug in boston um it's it's got Lance Henriksen in it. <laughs> um, yeah. if, if that helps sell the movie, um, <laughs> he's the one real star in the movie. Um, but it, it's you know, there's there's one scene I can't I I always think of too where um you know the white the, you know one of the the white girl and the and the black girl in, in the in the group um wind up in jail and you know oh yeah that shouting to, like, match yeah it, but and she's like you know she like lights a cigarette and tries to, like pass it and like just like it's like totally like slapped out of her hand and it, it just thinking about those little little moments like that, yeah. that, um you know, just sort of speak to the tensions that are just kind of like just boiling underneath. That's another, floor, underneath that's
0: another, I think formally dark in the street signifies something that you could say, they just don't make them like that anymore. Like I, I think yeah. that anger and um, tension um, I think filmmaking how it looked in the early eighties and late seventies is just so specific and raw. And there's just no panache. There's no Pete Berg uh, trying to be transparent about the line, the line blurring between reality and fiction. There's just none of that. It's just all um, grit and grime. It's great. Yeah. I I loved it. uh, uh,
2: What was the last just, since we're on the topic of race relations what was the last mainstream boston movie that took on the topic of race that's
0: a good question i Um, can't think of one on the top of my head was it i mean what how recent was tilt tilt no No, wait it wasn't oh oh my goodness lift uh, was 20 years ago that was 2000 was it 20 yeah okay yeah um let me pull i said tilt oh my sorry (laughs)
2: It's, it's just not a topic I'm 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 not familiar with at all. I mean, I'm not really familiar with Boston history uh, in general. Um, yeah, I mean,
1: there's there's not. I mean, it's true. I mean, a lot even today, like a lot of the movies set in Boston don't really deal with it. And I I might be forgetting some that do deal with it, but um, for the most part, like they're very notable. Fun. Yeah, there's um, there is though an interesting series um, you know, talking about independent Boston cinema. If you kind of jump forward past the '80s, um. In the '90s, there's a, a filmmaking team, uh, Demain Davis and Carrie Streeter, um, you know, uh, black filmmakers who make an independent film in 1997 called "Black and White and Red All Over." Mm-hmm. Uh, that's sort of it's sort of all shot in interiors um, within a, a Cambridge apartment. And if I'm remembering correctly, the movie deals with um, one uh, member of this group uh, who have who has been accused of a crime. And it it plays at Sundance and, you know, you can find uh, Ebert did a little review of it, but it's otherwise kind of largely forgotten because it, I think it was distributed by Blockbuster and uh, got a VHS release and pretty much nothing came of it. But uh, Davis and Streeter make a movie in 2001 that's a a very early Kerry Washington role um, called Lift. Uh, We're Carrie Washington. She's working for a uh, department store, but she's also shoplifting on the side and basically uh, getting involved with this sort of, uh, you know, a street criminal dude who wants to recruit her for like a big uh, heist job and. It, it, it's got some, you know, it's got some heist action, but it's also very largely a sort of family drama and, you know, dealing with with race and dealing with, um, you know, family and poverty in Boston. And uh, it was, I believe, picked up for is a TV movie by BT, but it played some festivals as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I watched it for the first time just recently. And I, I was really uh, impressed by it. I, th- I think it's, um, first of all, Carrie Washington is fantastic in it. Um, and second of all, I think it really captures a side of Boston that we don't see, which is the black perspective. And it's not something I can speak to. I'm, I'm very much white, but um, I, I think watching it was, uh, you know, definitely um, important, you know, v- an important part of the Boston story that does not get brought up, um, especially in films.
0: Yeah, and and since we're in the era of '90s, early 2000s Boston cinema, I I was really delighted by Next Stop Wonderland.
1: Oh my god, yeah, talk, yeah, yeah, romantic comedies. Hope I yeah, I I thought it was an okay romantic comedy, but I thought it was one of the most loving depictions of the city I've ever seen in a film.
0: Yeah, I I think what really got to me um, that sort of flavor of romantic comedy that is very particular um, hall of center, Nora Ephron, um, Yeah. And Nancy Myers, like something that's on the edge of auteur but's also accessible. I, I suppose I don't, I don't really know how, how else to describe it. Katie Walsh has a letterbox list. That's all that has all sorts of these, uh, romantic comedies, like I'm thinking of, and Next Time Wonderland was in there. But yeah, it's it's just this late '90s Miramax um, romantic comedy that is about Hope Davis yeah. trying to find a boyfriend while her best friend is also trying to find um, a partner, and it's it's just like really sweet and yeah, like you're saying it's, it's a very loving depiction. Um, yeah,
1: it does a cute job where like Hope Davis and um the guy. I notice, I notice, like I, I just... recognize
0: a lot of the brownstones. Yeah. They, you visit. <laughs> they they're
1: like they're both looking for love, but they like kind of like keep having these misconnections. Like the whole movie, they're like they'll be at the same party, but they never meet. And like and meanwhile, like she like Hope Davis is dating like going on all these dates with these shitty dudes, and you know, and uh the, the other guy is you know, he's trying to be a marine biologist at the New England a- aquarium and you know, yeah. it's <laughs> sort of you know a movie about misconnections and, and and Hope romance. Davis has
0: this dry wit about her that's that's really um, that's really sardonic. Yeah, it's, it's very good.
1: Her her ex is Philip Seymour Hoffman, who is like yeah. leaves <laughs> to go like do like some sort of Greenpeace type of thing, yeah. like some sort of activism. And he's he leaves her this like really just mean like tape that he's like, you just don't care about like social issues. And he's <laughs> such a piece of shit. And at, at the and very everything. end, he
0: comes back and he's like all relieved. He's like, well, we saved it. <laughs> it's like, we did the job. Yeah,
1: yeah, and it's like, um, oh, and. There's a really young H. John Benjamin. Yeah, he's so young; his voice hasn't even formed yet. He does His, his sound voice like isn't H. John like. Benjamin he's
0: not an Archer. He's not Bob.
1: You know. What I'm saying? Yeah, it's like it's, it's like, but he's like he's got those like just like puppy dog eyes. I didn't even and, recognize and, like, Hope first, Davis. Yeah, they they film at the Burn in, in Davis Square. It
0: says John Benjamin. It doesn't say H. John Benjamin.
1: <laughs> and they they film at the Burin and in Davis Square, which is a a bar I've been to a lot and definitely, but um you know she like she goes on a date with him and his all his roommates and like she figures it out and she like sets them up to uh you know kind of all show up at the same place at once by being like oh if like you come here like well don't worry like we'll we'll do it later and then they all yeah. show up and they get into a fight and it's just it's 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 got that like very 90s Miramax vibe it's a Miramax release but it um you know it's it's so sweet like the way it just films the city as well is it, it? it's you know i mean wonderland is a is the last stop on the blue line it's it's um yeah it's kind I of mean, the opposite the famous, of its name it's like
0: the last <laughs> la- it's it's like the uh the last scene that's that's where you hear it
1: Yeah. Yeah. They, um, they're going the blue. So the blue line is a line of the T and, uh, you can get to Logan airport through it. Um, but if you miss that stop, you'll wind up in wonderland, which, um, is, you know, quite the uh, antithesis. It's not, it's not that great a place, but, um, you know, they, um, yeah, the ending of the movie, they, they wind up on the tee, like she's trying to get, they're both trying to get to the airport and they kind of have a misconnection and they, they finally see each other after all these like, you know, close calls throughout the movie. It's, it's a really sweet film. And I, I think, mm-hmm. again, it's a movie that's informed by the city more than it's, um, you know, just just using a backdrop.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It feels like um, someone that's lived there for a while.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think, um, I wanted to talk briefly about um, horror movies Um, I think you know New England horror and um, you know Boston horror is something that we um, don't get to a lot Um, I was thinking one of my favorite experiences of um, being in a a theater is uh, watching the documentary Hail Satan did you guys see that from a few years ago
0: Oh yeah, I meant to, I mean just like Gutterberg. I oh, to, is that the,
1: about the Satanic Church?
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: the Satanic Temple, which is in Salem, um, and they're the, they're the, they're not to be confused with um, the Church of Satan, which is the Anton LaVey um, kind of like Satanists. They're they're more of um they're more like professional trolls in a way. They'll like you know sue like state houses trying to put up the Ten Commandments and say like, well, we want a statue. of oh, yeah, that's right. Under religious freedom. Um, There's a sequence though, because they're based in Salem. And I saw it at the Boston Underground Film Festival at the Brattle. And uh, in the Brattle, in in Harvard Square, there's a famous uh, Chinese restaurant slash uh, venue uh, called the Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. And they, uh, I just, I'll never forget They're in watching this movie in a sold out crowd in in Harvard Square. And there's a sequence in the movie where the church is, where the satanic temple is trying to get like a a rally uh, on uh, Harvard Yard. And the uh, Catholic church finds out and they're just like, they shut it down and Harvard, like they show up that day and Harvard is just like, you have to leave. And the reaction of when they're just like, so we wound up at this Chinese restaurant. that was also like a music venue and everyone in that audience just laughed his just went roaring when they cut to the Hong Kong, which is literally right across the street from the theater. Yeah. And but here's the thing is, so after that screening, um, there was an after party at the Hong Kong. And so apparently I was going to go and I was just too late because they were holding a black mass at the Hong Kong, which involves which is all this pageantry in which they uh, strip naked and do like a satanic uh, ritual. And they were only in the middle of this Chinese restaurant. And so they weren't actually naked. They had like flesh colored underwear on. But apparently the the owner was watching on a webcam from his house and called in. And basically they shut that shit down so fast and they're like everyone out. And we, we walk, my friends and I were walking over to get to this after party and people were like, oh no, it got, it got shut down and we're like, what the hell happened? And I'm so mad that I missed that.
0: (laughs) This was like not too long ago either. Like hail Satan was 2018. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Crazy. Um, This This is an
1: interesting wave of independent um horror that's around here though um and it's been difficult to maintain um there's a movie that trauma released that was shot locally that is not good um it's it's let's call it misguided uh (laughs) but it's called um honky holocaust oh trauma trauma (laughs) trauma Uh, by a guy named Paul McAulany. And it is, I mean, it's a, it's, it's breaking my rules where it's technically set in San Francisco, but it's, um, clearly so clearly shot in Boston that it's it's, uh, a very different city. Yeah. Uh, And so basically it's a, um, alternate, alternate present where what if Charles Manson had succeeded in bringing about the race war and, uh, Now, his family has emerged from their bunker to try and uh, overthrow. uh, When was this released? 2014. So it's in the 2010s.
0: If anybody would like to pick this. No. Yeah, yeah. No. No. no, no. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) yeah,
2: Watch. Yeah. Um, No.
0: (laughs) No one picks this.
2: um, No one. (laughs) Unless you're Charles Manson. (laughs) Yeah. It's trying to
1: do something that I don't think it can succeed at because. It's very like I'll, I'll give it the, this much credit, which is uh, giving it a little more than maybe it deserves. Like the 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 white supremacist Manson family gets their asses kicked immediately, and are basically oh, nice. just like shown up. Like, but it's it's um. I mean, I just it's just like I like had you said to watch misguided. It. It's misguided. Let's let's put it that. It's um. It's trying to be anti-nazi it's trying to be anti-racist but um i don't it think succeed. it succeeds yeah right. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Oh gosh yeah this sounds like though. Um, so i'd probably rather watch that than patriots day <laughs> yeah i mean honestly probably yeah it's uh Not a bad.
1: It It
0: sounds like at least this has ideas and has. It does, you know. It
1: does. It's like it's so funny too because it's supposed to be set in San Francisco, but like people will be wearing like Boston hoodies or like just like a Hampton Beach hoodie, and it's just like clearly shot
2: in Boston neighborhoods. (laughs) It's Stephen Curry jersey not to be found. It's all Jason Tatum. Yeah, Uh, wait, 2014. That probably was Paul Pierce.
1: Um yeah, I don't know. I mean, um, I mean I guess this so this guy Paul McAllerney, he runs a um he has a little film production company called Ungovernable Films, and he's shot some other films here um that I have not seen. But they've got titles like uh The Ungovernable Force, the Streets Run Red, and uh Gay Jesus.
0: Wow fascinating
1: yeah mm. but he's he's got yeah. he managed to, to catch up with trauma and uh you know yeah. boyd kaufman put out his stuff so uh <laughs> you know it is what it is uh there's We're another it, there's I'm a group of uh there's a, another duo of filmmakers who who actually i mean i think it speaks to the issue with independent filmmaking in boston that there's very little support there's a filmmaking duo called sophia uh sophia cacciola and michael j epstein uh made some horror films around here this uh, one they made called blood of the Tribids. T-R-I-B-A-D-E-S, which is kind of, um, you know, it's shot locally, but it's very much kind of a gothic 70s throwback horror. Um, It's very much trying to obscure that it's, you know, shot in the city using a lot of sets and going out to places like Ashburnham to, to shoot the, uh, the more rural scenes. But um it, they had, to, they eventually moved to LA uh, because there just wasn't support for, you know, independent filmmaking in Boston. I mean, you couldn't get financing. It was, it was difficult to, you know, put this together. And I think that's one issue is you, you have all these, these students who come out here for go to places like Emerson, um, who, you know, leave for New York and LA because there's just not an independent filmmaking infrastructure here um you know yeah sure productions come out here but they're all based in los angeles and then they all you know they'll hire locally but if you're a director if you want to get a, a script produced you gotta be you know you can't be here it, it, it's a real challenge it's a real It's or you have to be clint eastwood and
0: martin scorsese
1: <laughs> right right
0: who are not but even los then Americans. it's like the the tax credit comes into
2: but play is, yeah. so can i yeah. i just want to ask a question real quick so you said earlier that you think the tax credits is good for boston that the influx of right. productions i do think so is there a, is, is there a disagreement is there like a counterpoint that people are yeah not um favor? i mean some politicians occasionally you know feel
1: like we're losing money on it or they should be paying more you know but i think they also lose sight that if you just revoke the tax credit then you they'll know they'll just, go just else. stop they'll just go somewhere else they'll stop yeah. coming here which yeah. i think is the counter argument it's like the reason they come here is because of the credit i mean you could maybe renegotiate it i don't know um but i don't know how much it needs to be but that, that's sort of always been the controversy is that some politicians say hey we we should be making more money on this and you know others say this is giving local people jobs people who want to live here but don't want to have to want to work in the film industry you know you know, because you, you can hire gaffers, you can hire uh, you know all sorts yeah. of uh, you know technical jobs, uh, people who live locally and can find those you know positions on on film shoots.
2: Do you think there but, should be um, improvements to it?
1: Nah, I don't know enough to say that. Um, mm-hmm. I would. I would like to see. What I really would like to see is more support for independent filmmaking. I would like to see grants i would like to see nonprofit organizations i would like to see money put towards supporting independent filmmakers and trying to keep talent that comes through here to go to college to learn to film school to learn to trade to go to film school to keep them here to to say if you want to make your script we will fund it and i i think there needs to be some sort of way to do that i, I haven't thought this through i don't know the ins and outs enough to say that yeah, of but course that's what i'd really like to see is mm-hmm. some yeah. sort of support structure and i and i think that comes from media too i mean there's been a real uh challenge where um you know local underground media has has struggled in recent years and you know uh you know the boston phoenix died um you know within the past 10 years and and thankfully dig boston exists as a alt weekly to um, uh, which uh, i think jack knows where i'm going with this mm-hmm. um to you know keep it alive and kind of rebuild some stuff but i mean there needs to be a media infrastructure there's a great independent film scene there's a great um film scene here there's a great independent yeah. theater scene here and people who care and are passionate but uh, we're missing the filmmakers we're mm-hmm. missing yeah the passions yeah. here
0: like i think the brattle will stay alive the coolidge will stay alive and um to see the filmmakers that will come out of emerson and places like this just lack the resources you, you're but right, right now they're all just yeah.
2: leaving to go to la la new what you're york, saying yeah,
0: yeah yeah or new york yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. because it's but, just there's not the, the career they want here but i think that's a wonderful note to wrap up on it unless
1: yeah well i anything? mean we we can we can talk about you know i think there's two more movies we need to talk about all right um, two more. yeah yeah cool. Cheap cheap keep fast yeah but course, i mean yeah. as i was hinting at awesome. between the lines
0: oh my god um, oh my I, whoa i forgot between the lines oh <gasps> Oh, yeah. uh, you know what? Oh, why did I ever suggest wrapping up? Oh, my God.
1: Yeah, Joan, Joan McQuinn-Silver. Um, oh, I mean, so we'll keep good. it quick. I, I don't think you
0: can totally I mean, understand just, that movie until you've worked Jeff for a dying Goldblum newspaper. In <laughs> Between the Lines. That's, that's all that, oh, my God.
1: It's from the 70s, and it's, it's about from a group, the, yeah. of, group of, of coworkers working at a dying alt-weekly that gets, you know, it's about to be acquired. And I, I've worked for a local newspaper that is, you know, owned by a faceless conglomerate yeah and the the day that our editor-in-chief was like i'm leaving i'm going to a different paper was when we were like okay time to start looking for another job yeah that movie captured it's from third. it's from the 77 i think it's 77 it captures yeah,
2: 77. it
1: captures the feeling of a dying media climate so amazingly yeah. and just beautifully and, and like, joe milk was lost joe
0: micklin uh silver's direction uh the late joe McLean silver she she directs comedy so well like just natural people being funny is like it, it's you know it's all honestly kind of like the opposite of the heat right i mean the only thing stringing them together is their location but yeah it, it's t- two completely different ways of staging comedy that feels just so effortless and yeah, oh man, that great yeah. movie! Yeah.
1: What um? What did you uh, going to to Worcester County? What did you make a Greater Southbridge? You
0: watch that? Oh yeah, that's oh my gosh. Um, I, I this is like Boston's Errol Morris doc. <laughs> this, yeah. This real? I thought this was um, um. Oh God, what's that one about Florida? Um, uh, Vernon, Florida. Vernon, Florida. Yeah, and Vernon, Florida is is kind of like uh, Greater Southbridge. Right, where it's it's yeah. just a collection of eclectic souls that are meant to be there for their entire lives, but there's some sense of beauty in that. That there's some there's something in nature that's stringing them all together. That's that's like fencing them in here. And it's for the greater of selfridge. Sort of like how I see it, and it's a really cool. I think it's a really cool story that, if you look at it, each if you look at each interview, it's just like okay, who is this weirdo? But I think strung together, it brings something um, much more profound.
1: Yeah. yeah, South Southbridge is a town in Worcester County. It's about mm-hmm. an hour and a half from Boston, so it's not quite a Boston movie. But um, it, it, Greater Southbridge is an you independent kind of forget sometimes how big
0: Massachusetts is.
1: Yeah, yeah. Greater yeah. Southbridge is documentary. Kind of, uh, it's from two thousand three, and it documents sort of the local. The, the local characters um yeah i mean i i, I was at first it was interesting because i was watching and i was like is this exploitative because a lot of the people featured are mentally ill and all that but by the end you see the love and like community that comes together through it and like how even though like yeah like hey there's there's i never found the filmmakers
0: people. to be mean spirited and i guess that's no what
1: line it's like okay yes they they recognize that these people are entertaining but by the end it's like yeah but they really love them like they, yeah. they it's like true love i actually um i met that guy jerry who's um one of the the lead oh in wow movie. yeah uh well i was working on a friend's uh friend ran for state senate unsuccessfully out in that, that count and uh, that district, and so I was out in Southbridge. And uh, Jerry is a, you know, a, a very good guy. He's he's um he's one of the mains in Greater mm-hmm. Southbridge. He's a good soul. He, you know, he's yeah. he's a good soul. He's got some you know um some disorders of, of some sort, but he's um you know kind of a, a locally beloved figure, and he's mm-hmm. kind of the lead character of Greater Southbridge. It's a kind of a rare documentary if you can dig it up. Um, I know that you guys want to wrap up and it's getting late, but I feel like we a good place to end. Um, we didn't talk about City Hall.
0: Yeah. City Hall, um, the newest. Yeah, this is actually a good place to end. Um, newest film from Fred Wiseman, um, who had made Tadaka Folies, as we mentioned earlier. Um, it's this four hour behemoth of a documentary that focuses on the ins and outs. Um, the routines, the systems that take place in the greater city of Boston. Marty Walsh, who, as we mentioned earlier, took um, took the stand as mayor after Mayor Menino passed away. And he's sort of the main character for the first half, essentially. It's guiding us through his day-to-day life, what goes into being uh, the the uh were inner workings of the mayoral position it's fascinating it goes by you do not expect this to linger over the four hours i found it uh to work best over watching it during a during the morning personally um it feels like work day yeah (laughs) it does feel like a work day um but yeah i i mean i adored it i i think brad also adored it
2: yeah party walsh um, is also um uh, just want to say uh, currently the secretary of labor under the right. Biden no, administration. That's, that's i'm also, so glad yeah. that
1: they gave him a position that you have to say the secretary of labor um, <laughs> um no i mean my um jake mulligan the uh critic for dig boston uh, i was talking to him earlier too and he he wrote um a couple of good pieces on city hall one for dig boston his initial review where he kind of contextualizes the film as um one of Wiseman's performance films, rather than one of his civic service films, yeah. Because I mean, I, I think so many Wiseman to
0: see. I, I'm I'm looking forward to digging more of his catalog. It's one of the only Wiseman films that kind of has
1: a main character, which mm-hmm. is Marty Walsh, who keeps mm-hmm. recurring throughout the film. And even though he's kind of on screen for less than an hour, he's kind of like the the Anthony Hopkins in Silence of the Lambs of the movie, <laughs> where he's he he becomes the lead, even though he's he's kind of always there. Yeah, um, he's ever present.
0: But, but, because even when Jake, he's not there, you kind of feel Marty Walsh in a room. Yeah.
1: Or you'll, you'll have like a 20 minute scene of like, you know, some, you know, veterans on a Veterans Day ceremony. And then who shows up at the end but Marty Walsh? <laughs> um, may I? Yeah. But uh, Jake Mulligan, his piece kind of he ref- he contextualizes, he feels it's more of a performance piece. He feels he's he he kind of reads a little bit of cynicism into Wiseman's film where, you know, he's kind of showing that, you know, this this mayor is kind of uh, just kind of giving platitudes. He's kind of playing a role, uh, playing the role of mayor, which I think is interesting yeah it's pageantry and you see that especially in the finale of the film which is a sort of a ceremony with police officers singing the star-spangled banner and Mm -hmm. you know and then he gives comes up and he kind of just gives this empty speech right it's kind of a are you i think that's the one at the very end yeah it's the very end end. very end scene and so it's also curiously the only scene where you see charlie baker the governor um but Yeah. yeah um Yeah, it's it's really interesting. He Jake wrote another good piece for Filmmaker magazine. I highly recommend when when Marty got a got named Secretary of Labor. Um, And so um, where he kind of goes a bit more into the tax credit as well, which in some of the scandals that uh, the Walsh administration has had related to that, Mm -hmm. um, which uh, I, I recommend reading. Yeah um well guys i mean it's it's getting late and this is a uh, run really long so i appreciate yeah. you guys having me on this was so odd, no kinda... but
0: this was a great little lecture i i this is exactly what i imagined for this episode thank you thank you thank you for being here yeah Brad. um I, I... last
1: i got a shout out though i almost forgot godzilla king of the monsters greatest fucking movie
2: <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm i'm here for it i'm here mothra
1: for mothra rodan against the john hancock building Oh my God. I saw that movie in the Somerville theater um, downstairs. And when, when, when Kijura showed up on Fenway park, uh, just all pretenses, it's right. Like, it does take all, place in
2: Boston. I
1: all totally pretenses forgot about that Of just people being quiet during the movie went out the window. It was just yelling, screaming like, yeah, like popping champagne girl- bottles. I think my girlfriend said like, this is our fucking city in the middle of the theater. <laughs> um, i people don't like that movie they're wrong uh godzilla it's it's amazing the king of the goddamn monsters you to watch a movie yeah. in a theater that you're watching get destroyed on screen
2: just um i like half that's that's that my movie. final thought I, I like half thoughts. that movie
0: oh okay well we'll take hey we'll take it then well
2: i mean no, like i mean i think the godzilla stuff fucking rocks i think the eco-terrorist stuff is like you know but I, I i really like i really dig half that movie
0: snooze fest can we get a snooze fest button i don't
2: have one yeah.
0: that'd be funny if, uh, if we should install a snooze fest button
1: i think you guys should just cut patriots day discussion down and just get <laughs> honestly to honestly I would, I would cut from there say
0: no i would not say no i would this just, is just gonna
3: yeah,
1: just, just get to this stuff
0: we're just gonna say godzilla king of the monsters discussion <laughs> yeah just kill
1: kill like half the page discussion
2: (laughs) and just we'll have you on for godzilla king of the monsters i want to i want i want you to defend it right that was uh, i'll defend um, it yeah i'll do that spring
0: 2019 yeah yeah maybe we could do um king of the monsters and uh gareth uh uh, edward oh i guess we could double bill it double bill Uh, yeah
1: yeah all right. I'm, I'm I'm game I'm game or Shin Freddy Godzilla Green. and Godzilla King of the Monsters because that's 2016.
0: Ooh, Shin Godzilla, all three. Any possibilities? Oh man. V, thank, trilogy. Thank you for all being here. All right, guys. Here, Sorry yeah. for going
1: so fucking long. I'm really no, excited. no worries. Hey, yeah, I'm no, I was
2: um, I'm here for it. I want we were prepared I, you for this. This was very informative for me yeah, as someone yeah. who is a Virginia boy, a DC boy who Born knows nothing raised. about Boston, yeah. it's been there
0: once. Yeah. Um and you loved it right it was all right how do you, you guys know like...
1: each other just met online oh yeah met twitter. Online.
0: yeah twitter yeah, yeah. Twitter. but um yeah Place no i mean
1: i really appreciate you having me on and you, obviously it's a subject i really care about so do you have anything
0: to plug promote it's something you're working no, on where I mean, can everybody I, find you on the internet
1: you can find me at on twitter at Brad Avery underscore um if you want me to write about film or talk about film hit me up i i will uh definitely you know get back into it awesome yeah.
2: oh yeah where um can everyone find you
0: yeah so i am on twitter at jack a draper um my writing on film can can be found at the simple cinephile cineflix daily and uh cinema etc patriots day um that was the original uh movie for this episode it's found on hbo max and amazon oh, right now um the thread is found on Tubi. i mean there's i mean what we mentioned these movies aren't fa- aren't found uh many accessible places but the threads on Tubi highly highly recommended as a double bill um next week a movie that is much better <laughs> than what we did today mistress america with Ooh. carrie corrigan I like um yeah very not about very like very good that's, that's a not, connecticut movie serious. though that's connecticut I mean, yeah, connecticut, connecticut new and England. new york, new york. <laughs> Connecticut. Well, excellent <laughs> movie can't wait for it carrie Corgan's gonna be here um yeah give me a lot of fun very fun all right guys everyone thank can you follow again
2: me. uh yeah no 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 worries um everyone can follow me at uh boy i just forgot all of it everyone can follow me at birds of clay on twitter uh, and on Letterboxd, you can follow me at Mr. Clay Williams on Instagram. You can follow the podcast Twitter account at ETT Pod. You can send us an email at the 2010s at gmail.com. Uh, you can send us a voicemail and anchor. Please remember to rate if subscribe. You give us five stars. We greatly appreciate it. Um, yeah, we already said what was next week. Uh, yeah, please stay safe, get vaccinated, wear a mask, do what you need to do, be good to yourself. Um, please remember. Trans rights are human rights, stop Asian hate, free Palestine, Black Lives Matter, Justin for Dante Wright, and Justice for Adam Toledo. And we'll catch you all next time and next week 2010.